Hey fam, welcome to the show. This podcast is brought to you by Vision by Dreamers, who by the way, just dropped a new album on Spotify, Apple Music, and all music media platforms. So go check them out. The album is fire. Also, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, go do it and then share this episode. This week's guest is right in line with Veterans Day. Former Army Sergeant Fernando Borboa just came down and shared some awesome testimony wisdom. Thank you for your service, Fernando. On this discussion, he talks about his military career, his struggles with anxiety, suicide, and how Christ got a hold of his life to help him combat these obstacles. Fernando serves at Calvary Chapel Golden Springs and Front Sight Ministry for Veterans. This was such a thought-provoking conversation, so check this out. That's funny, dude. For sure. (laughs) Well, why don't we get started with prayer, and then we'll dive into it. Yeah, for sure. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening that I get to hang out with my friends. Father, I pray that you would anoint this conversation, that you would allow it to be used, Father, in other people's lives. Father, for the benefit of your church, for your glory, Lord, I pray, Father, for words of, Lord God, just getting to know each other, uh, words of finding out understanding, Lord, of, of our friend. And I pray, Father, that you would uh, guide our conversation this evening. I pray, Father, that if there's any nerves or, or something going on that the enemy would try to use against us, I pray, Father, you would just eliminate that, Father. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to uh, to bless this podcast, Father. We thank you for it. Bless this night, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I want to actually start off by just saying uh, thank you so much for your service, bro. And that Honor, man. Being that we uh, just celebrated um, our our... Well, actually, the Marine Corps birthday, yeah, and then yeah. which you yeah. right, you got you got Marines around <laughs> yeah. you, right? Uh, so, but I, anyways, I just want to say like it's an honor to have you here during this week, definitely, and uh, I want to thank you so much for your service, dude. It, it was in my honor, man. Yeah, my honor. That's, thank that's you, cool. Fernando. Uh, Fernando, what's your last name? Barboa. Barboa. I didn't yeah. want to botch that. It's uh, all good. I'm, I'm used to the Barboa, <laughs> like Rocky, like it's normal, dude. Right, on. <laughs> Fernando. Uh, just real quick, this is Redeem Podcast episode 19. Uh, we have our with us a cool guest of mine, a, a friend who I got to meet at uh, Calvary Chapel Golden Springs. Yep. And then, coincidentally enough, we then started rubbing elbows in the HVAC world, right? So that yeah. was kind of like the connection <laughs> uh, with Veterans Day coming up. I honestly didn't know it was coming up, and then I was like, you know what? Like, I want to, I want to talk to a veteran. And then, coincidentally, it was like God's Here divine appointment. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, real cool, dude. And so, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, maybe your background, what you were in the army, and all that. Yeah, for sure. So, um. I grew up in Azusa, um, Azusa and then Covina. And um, after high school, I went to South Hills, which is, uh, you know, not a school that, you know, you would think I would go. You know, I'm a little bit of a preppy side, but uh, okay. I ended up going to South Hills. And right after South Hills, um, me and my twin, you know, kind of fi- trying to figure out what we wanted to do. What's your brother's name, by the way? Caesar. Caesar. Okay. Caesar, my identical twin brother. So if you see me and I'm, I'm looking at you and I, it's like I don't know who you <laughs> it's are. It's really it's him. him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it happens a lot, believe it or not. But um, so after high school, you know, I, uh, I kind of started dabbling into like drugs and, and some dumb things and getting in trouble. So my twin kind of seeing the route that I was going went to uh, take one of my buddies to the recruiter to become a Marine. And somehow, some way, he got recruited himself to the Army. Mm-hmm. So I guess as he was waiting for my buddy, 
right next door, the army recruiters were, someone came out, talked to him. Next, you know, he's getting ready to go. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. So he came to me and was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to the army. I think you should go with me. Dang. Yeah. And uh, he pretty much told me flat out, you're up to no good. You're going to do nothing here. Let's just go to Germany. And, you know, that's what ended up happening. Uh, I ended up going. Um, we signed up together. We went to basic together. How old are you at this point? We we joined um, when I was 19. So we left California uh, June 18th, 2001. And we went to Georgia. Now I don't want to. I don't mean to interrupt, but like yeah. that's 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 a super rare thing, right? Yeah. I mean, my dad said when he joined with his friends, they were all like, "Yeah, we'll put you all together." They never yeah. saw each other at all, yeah. right? So that is a rare thing. Am I it right? Is. Or no, okay. it is. So especially when it comes to brothers, nonetheless being twins, and to kind of make it a little bit more like crazier, it was actually three of us. It was me, my twin brother, and a cousin of mine, all with the same last name. Mm-hmm. But. In 2001, what they're doing is they had this little program called the Buddy Program. Mm. So they allowed people to sign up, friends, family, whatever. Together. Yeah, and you were able to, it was in your contract that you were able to go to the same place and be together for up to a year. And then afterwards, they could separate you. Mm. But uh, for us, it never happened. You stayed together. We stayed together. Yeah, I'll get into it. But we stayed together all the way from basic training to Germany to Iraq and then me and my twin brother got out. My cousin ended up staying in for uh, for another six years. Dang. Yeah, but uh, we signed up as uh, we we all signed up for for the infantry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, me going in, my twin brother was kind of in the fence, and I was like, dude, if you're gonna be military, you gotta you gotta be front lines, bro. Like, mm-hmm. either, it's all either or, nothing. or nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got exactly. You. So we left thinking, you know, we were just gonna go to Germany, travel, you know, do our thing or whatever. And that was June, June 18, 2001. Mm. Well, while we we're in basic, um, we we're literally two weeks away from graduating. 9-11 happened. Mm. No. Uh, yeah. So when we initially first signed up, there was nothing. Yeah. Peace treaty. There was no war. There was nothing. You yeah. know, there, there was yeah. not even a talk of anything. Right. I remember. Yeah. So, you know, right in the middle of it was called FTX. It's literally um, like the last part of your training it's like the 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 final hurrah you go out for two weeks where you're training drilling doing mad exercise you know to the amusement mm-hmm. of the drill sergeants and um while we were in one of them nonetheless it was called mount training which is where they teach you how to enter a house and enter a building and learn how to clear it Tactics. for enemy yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we were there and it was early in the morning i'll never forget this day it was early in the morning we're sitting around and i'm talking and, and messing around with the guy next to me and my brother and my cousin and it kind of felt odd you know because normally when you get there the first thing you do is you eat dirt you know mm-hmm. you're, you're doing push-ups exercises mm-hmm. sweating right ready to puke and then we get into the training it didn't happen mm. we finally realized like something was odd it was almost like simultaneously we're all looking around we see the drill sergeants over by the humvee and i guess they were already listening to what was going on mm-hmm. and the first plane had already hit and then, you know, once like we all kind of were trying to figure out what was happening, they called us over and just had to sit down. And, you know, we, we were hearing the news about the plane hitting and then the next plane hit. Mm. And instantly, I'll never forget, Drew Sergeant started yelling, we're going to war. We're Dang, going to war. Wow. And in my heart, I'm not going to lie, it just sunk. I bet. And thinking like, man, like, am I ready for this? You know, mm. am I ready for for war? That's not even why I signed up in the military. Right, right, right. 
But nonetheless, you know, we, we finished basic training. We got to our first duty station, which was Germany. And there was no talk. There was no talk about, you know, deployments or nothing. And uh, it was on uh, my 21st birthday, April 26, 2000, 2003, when we got orders, we were packed up, we were ready to fly out. Mm. Um, Dang. Yeah, so it was on my 21st birthday, they locked us down to where nobody could leave the what we call the barracks, which is where you live. It's pretty much like the, you know, just the apartment building for whoever's mm-hmm. in that company. Mm-hmm. Um, we're there, you know, we're kind of saying our goodbyes to the families and, you know, it was just me and my twin. So, you know, we were there, my cousin, he was married his wife came down mm-hmm. with his son and, um, you know, we're all saying goodbye or whatever. That, this must be like a heightened emotional moment because right. everybody's aware of what's happening yeah. in our world right yeah. then, right? So at this time in, you know, 2003, the Marines had already came in. They were already in Afghanistan for... Um, a good solid uh, since January. They were mm-hmm. already in um, third third ID. They already invaded. Uh, they did the initial push into Iraq, so they were the first ones in. Um, this was in February, and then we were we were coming in right after them. Mm-hmm. So in 2003, when I went to Iraq, yeah, it was it was fresh. Like there was no no nothing established. There was, you know, a matter of fact. After we got into Kuwait about the middle of uh, the middle of May, and in the middle of May, that's when we we made our long truck into Kuwait. I'm sorry, to uh, Baghdad. Hmm. Um, we went straight into the city, and from day one, it just it was just you know something that I've never seen before. Hmm. You know, third world country. You know, I've been I've been to certain parts of Mexico where it looks kind of kind of crazy. This is this is different because it's, it's the whole country. Um, well, our first night there, we slept in, you know, a bombed out building, no walls. You know, we had no water, no food, um, just the, the stuff that we brought, which are MREs. Um, we're just we're just there, you know, trying to figure out, like, you know, what we're going to do next. We started getting trained on, on the area that we're in. Mm. And and after that, it was just, you know, all out mayhem. Not, nothing, again, nothing was established. So we had to reestablish the schools. The police, we wow. trained the army, the the Iraqi army. So my 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 first tour, man, it was it was nonstop, just mayhem. What's, what's that like? I'm just curious because like my natural curiosity comes yeah. up when you say that. Like, w- what kind of response do you get from a people that you're there, but you're like you're teaching them stuff, but you're also there, not like fully invite, right? Yeah. So like, what kind of reactions are you getting from people? So you know what. All honesty, I say like seventy-five to eighty percent of the Iraqis when we were there, um, they they loved us. Mm. They loved the fact that we were there because of the stronghold that that Saddam had on these people. Mm. I mean, it was nuts. The the stories that I heard of you know, their 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 um their cars driving past the cities, they see somebody and they would snatch them up, mm. and they, their family would never be seen again. Dang, you know, we had an interpreter who told us one time. You know, his mom, his mom and dad were in the marketplace, and I guess his mom was real beautiful. That so one of Saddam's sons came through, seen her, took her, and they never seen her again, Gosh. ever. Like to that day, and, and he was only a little kid at the time. And when we so were with never him, never saw her he, again, never again. And and it, it was like a common, a common thing, just like just power, power. just full, just do whatever That's they want. It. That's it. So when we got there, you I know, got you. We. We, they, 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 we had that love, but we also had hate. 
Gotcha. You know, mm-hmm. not because of what I looked like or, or this, my skin color, but it was because of the uniform that I wore United and the States. flag that yep. I wore on my shoulder. There's a lot of uh, brainwashing, yeah. right, for a lot of people yeah. as to what America is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the, the Taliban at the, at the time, you know, they, they didn't have such a strong, strong hold on the people. Mm. But they, they would send in, just like anywhere else, you know, anywhere else on the streets, they would send in their misfits. And they would, you know, they would rally up like random people that, you know, they, they didn't, maybe they didn't want to have any trouble with us. But now you got someone in the air, you know, bending, you know, mm-hmm. talking and, and they're just starting to go nuts. And, you know, we get rocks thrown at us. And, you know, it, it was always kind of like just something, something to keep aware of. You know? Is that a, is that a difficult thing to try to like draw the line as to how you respond towards people that are somewhat attacking you, but not full life threatening yeah. attacking you? Yeah. Cause you know, even, even, um, when we're, you know, we were over there, we had what's called your, your ROA, your rules of engagement. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, full on mayhem where you could just, you know, like the movies, you can do yeah. whatever you want. Like you guys just start blasting. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you, even if like, even if you had that point where people are throwing rocks and and you could someone could sincerely get hurt, you still you know you could only do so much. Mm. And majority of the time, we would just kind of keep trucking as long as nobody nobody was firing at us or you know bombs are going off or whatever. But um, yeah, man, it, it, it was it was tough because right we'd be in a situation where you know when we first got there, um, probably a month in, we. We, there was a school that was an all-girls school, mm. and over there, girls aren't seen, you know, females aren't seen like they are here. You know, mm. they're they're not even an object. They're, you know, they're. It, it's just crazy. It's crazy the way that they're seen. So, what they're doing is they were taking these girls, these, you know, anywhere from you know elementary and elementary age to uh, to high school, and they were kidnapping them and putting them into the sex trade. So they put us there. To, to kind of start getting ourselves into the community. So mm. that way they could see that we're not there to take them mm. over. Or, Got you. You know, that we weren't another form of dictatorship, but we were actually there to rebuild and help. So we ended up for uh, for a good solid couple of months. My my squad, which is a, a group of 10 guys, we lived in this neighborhood detached from the rest of our company. And that's all we did is we secured the school. Um, you know, there was a couple instances where, you know, guys did try to, you know, take the females and, and we just, you know, we confronted and, and took care of whatever we mm. had to do. But, you know, it's just mm. the biggest thing when I tell people about Iraq is, um, it opens up your eyes to the different and new level of evil that can mm. truly just bring up like a person can bring out in themselves. Mm. I've never, I've never seen that kind of hatred even here, mm. you know, like, I remember the first time I ever seen someone get get killed, and it had nothing to do with us. It was a dispute between Iraq families. Yeah, I just thought to myself, like, how could this be justice? How could this make things even? You know, and and it's what it was. One person killed one one family member, so this family member came and killed this family member. Mm. And the police were telling us, yeah, most likely one of these guys over here is gonna go kill him. Like, like if it was, you know just, what I mean? Like if you're ordering a pizza, like yeah, it's just the way yeah. it happens. But wow. you yeah. know, that, that, that brings something that I, that God's taught me. Like I, I can't speak from the experience I've, I've seen third world country, but like Africa, mm. like, um, Colombia, but never, never war torn like that. I mean, Africa had some stuff going on, but n- nowhere near yeah. where I was in the middle of it. But 
one of the things that the Lord taught me, like when I would have, when I first got saved, I would hear like Christians say like, dude, I've seen the bottom. Right. And one of the things that the Lord showed me is that depravity has no limit. Like you think Mm -hmm. you think you've seen the bottom because you're looking at it in relativity to things that are higher than it, but there's always worse. And, you know, you'll meet people that, uh, like perversion Mm -hmm. led to, disgusting things in their yeah. life and what you realize is that everything is a stairwell and what happens is you're always one step away from the next stair yeah and so little by little you're you're just a little bit worse than you were and it doesn't seem like that much worse because it's one stair exactly. but to a person walking into the scenario you it's look crazy. at a person that's gone so far down that stairwell that you're shocked you're yeah. like how, how could you where where in your right mind are you, lead you yeah there. yeah raping little kids or just crazy stuff like that you know yeah. or like you said where murder is just not even doesn't even mean anything exactly. it's like go do that and then have a slice of cake at, yeah. with your family knowing that you're next maybe you know yeah <laughs> just, exactly that's insane but yeah it but is. but i think to people like maybe maybe to any listeners you know there's there's that understanding that depravity knows no limits. Like yeah. we think like, Oh, well, I'm never going to become that, but it's those slow steps down the wrong direction that yeah. we wake up. How did I get here? Exactly. You know? Yeah. And I mean, it's legit. Like, you know, it took me some time to realize like, man, these people have been living this way their whole entire life. To, like you said, to me, I was a newbie, you know, right. even though I seen some crazy stuff growing up, like, like in the hood or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But it was like, even that yeah, was like nothing, nothing yeah. you know? So, there were some decent people in those terrible scenarios. Yeah, this is like... Even they had like some sort of standards yeah, of limitations this to a was certain just, extent. That's wild. These people were like, you know, to them, there was like, what's the limit? You know, like you said, like they, they lived that their whole entire life Jeez. to where, you know, certain people didn't even have value. Wow. You know, little kids, they weren't, they weren't to be heard. They were not even to be seen. They were just an object that was there at the house. Women only could talk when, you know, when it was appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of like, in my mind, I was like, dude, like, you tell my mom that, dude. Yeah, for real. (laughs) (laughs) So you're, like, dropped in this other planet, bro. Like, So did that, did that, like, radically change your view on freedom at that point once you see another place that's, like, so down like that? Yeah. You know, it, um, it definitely opened up my eyes to, like, you know, I was uh I was teaching in junior high last night and I was kind of talking about it, and I I told him you know when I when I first graduated high school even even throughout high school man like I always wanted to be the flashy guy to like you know have the next best thing you know when I learned how to drive I wanted a car with like flashy rims and system you know like that was like man like if I didn't have that dude like I I was I was deprived mm-hmm. and like when I went down there it's like I told him when I, when I came home on leave which is, you know, vacation from wherever you're at, dude, I appreciated a toilet, mm. you know what I mean? Because we were, we were in an outhouse for, for however long, and then a porta potty and yeah. it's, it's just like, dude, like a simple, like the simplest things, yeah. I appreciated a bed. And to be sheet. clean, huh? Yeah, <laughs> man, like, like it was just, uh, it, it, it just opens up your eyes, like to the true, like how good we have it in this country, even, even to the poorest people that, are, that actually are suffering here. I guess nothing compared to like some of the things that they go through over there. People are living in like mud huts, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Sleeping on the floor because that's just what they have Mm -hmm. and they deal with it, you know, while here it's like, man, that sucks, dude. I, I, you know, whatever you fill in the blank, Mm -hmm. like I can't afford this. I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. It's like, nah, man. So, 
And it definitely opens up your eyes, dude. It opens up your eyes to a lot. Dude, like, what, what was it like there with your brother and your cousin at this point? What was that yeah. bond like? You know, so what was cool was is that, um, like I said, they never separated us mm-hmm. to the point that they even kept us in the same company, mm-hmm. which is like seriously unheard of. Mm-hmm. And we, they, so a company is made up of, uh, it's three platoons, which are uh, 30 guys in one group, right? And then you have squads in between, which are normally 10 guys each. Um, uh, and then, you know, me and my brother were in the same, and my cousin were in the same platoon. Like, within that same group of 30 to 40 guys, we are in the same one. They just separated us in the, on the points of, like, squad. yeah. Mm. They wouldn't allow us to be on the same squad in case a mission happened. Mm. Like, one of us were to get killed or injured. Like, they yeah. Yeah, because it's a big For you to carry out what yeah. you got to do and not become right. em- emotionally exactly because uh, yeah. the main important thing is mission first, right. and, and it's what we're what, what we're bred like right. mission first, mission complete. Then we attend to the wounded. I type understand deal, to a certain extent at least, but um, you know, it, it was it was definitely it was definitely cool like to have them there. Like I it bet. was, it, you know, we 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 hung out. You know, we we brought the house back to where we're at. Mm. You know what I mean, like. Mm. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be abnormal for me or my cousin, me and my brother, to be on guard like overnight for twelve hours, and we're talking about you know the barbecue where our aunt like had her dress tucked in the back of her shirt, <laughs> yeah, 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 like the crazy yeah. stories, yeah, like, yeah. or like I remember one time it was me and my cousin we were on guard and we were just like making fun of our my dad and our uncles like how they used to dance and you know <laughs> we were copying and mimicking so it it brought like a, a little piece of home yeah wow. and like. It was it was like we had our own like therapeutic, like sense of you know me and my, so it it always worked in a circle. Mm. Whenever we had a bad day, I would go to my my twin and I would do everything I could to make that dude bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, really? like I would just give him all that that anger and hatred that I had in my in my in my chest. I would lay it on him and I would make him mad. And when he gets to the point that he wants to fight me. Ah, I feel better. Mm-hmm. So then he would go to my t- my cousin and do the same thing to him, mm. and then my cousin to me. So it was always kind of like mm. we were able to get it off, you right. know. Um, I think biblically you see that as us bearing one another's burdens, exactly, and not so much once you see the Lord in it. It's not so much that you're the one pushing it on people, but they're actually showing up to take it. Yeah, you know, to literally like not to. You know that you're forcing it on them; they're actually picking it up off of you, and, and that, that, that's interesting. That that's something it. that we need. You you see that even oh, even now. back then, before you were a believer, yeah. though, yeah. you see that a human being needs to be able to get this weight lifted yeah. off. You know, yeah. and I mean, because if not, dude, that's that's the type of stuff that like literally just weighs on you so much that man, it, it, it could tear you up. Yeah, it, it, it's really you know. There's one thing that um when we come home mm. and we try to get back into the world yeah. that you know. Most people think like, well, what's wrong with you? You you don't look hurt. You don't look like mm. you know. It, but yeah, but my my scars you can't see them. Mm. You know, what I mean, I've swallowed this pill so much that mm. like, that's all I do now. Yeah, and, and that's why I'm not the same. You know. Yeah, my my dad described uh, how they make you bulletproof mm. in one way, but you're so fragile yeah. in another way. He, he, you know, he would talk about how. Here's a guy I never saw cry right mm. until later in life when the Lord set him free from yeah. trying to hide that, trying to hide it, yeah. you know. I know. But yet, but yet he he later confessed that he was always on the edge of tears. Mm. 
is and and here was a man that nobody was seeing cry. People, oh, your dad never cried. I've never seen. Him. And yet he was always on because he busted up, bro. Like yeah. he was so. My dad had such deep issues, bro. That like he couldn't. He his biggest struggle, dude. One of his biggest struggles is people telling him thank you. Like even yeah. though he's learned through Christ to graciously accept that. Yeah. Dude, it was poor Rex Wallens. You know Rex Wallens, yeah. right? Like he, one time we were walking out of church because they would say, oh, please stand up. And my dad would never stand yeah. up, bro. And he's a Marine. Like, it's not like he didn't, he did his full thing, bro. Like, but he would never stand up and. You don't want that recognition. He didn't want it, bro. Yeah. And it's weird. He'd talk about his, his double-sided relationship with the Corps because he, he, he loved the Corps. Like in our house, there's like, there's like the Marine Corps, mm -hmm. like everywhere. Right. But yet at the same time, he doesn't want to be recognized. Yeah. For it, dude. I know. And and he <laughs> Rex one time one time gives him a coin at, at Golden Springs, like here, uh, we want to thank you for your service. Like, gave him a coin, and my dad got it and he looked at it. And I'll never forget. He he flips it back to Rex Wall and he's like, uh, all the real heroes died out there. Yeah, you know, and he and he just like and I, I remember Rex like caught it and he like looked up and I was like, I'm sorry, dude. Uh, that guy, like mm. that's my dad's, yeah. you know. But we were raised that way, bro where that wasn't weird to us. We just felt like the world didn't understand. Like the good thing that we always had is my dad was honest with us. Yeah. And my mom was honest with us. So even though we were raised by a man who carried a lot, we weren't just like blind to yeah. like what's wrong with dad. You know what I mean? We yeah. just knew like, dude, that, I mean, that's just the way he that's is. just yeah, yeah. Dude, like, yeah. so yeah. but i i hear i hear you uh i know you like i could i know instinctively that me sharing that like you you understand like him all the way yeah. like you know what i mean so yeah. but anyways back back to yeah, continue with like tell us like kind of the progression in your campaign of like just growing as a sergeant you know so um so when i first went in mm -hmm. um you know i when I went into Iraq, at least I was I was a I was a what's called a, a saw gunner. So I was a machine gunner. Mm. I was in the squad. I wasn't even in into like any kind of leadership position. And then once I got into country, um, people started they they had what it was called a stop loss on us. In other words, nobody could get in or nobody could get out. Mm. Right. So the guy that was in charge of me, he was supposed to have already had gotten out. And like finally, when they lifted it, dude, everybody booked. You know. Mm. So. It left positions open and they told me flat out, like, dude, you're, you're next, you're it. So, you know, I'm here. I am as a, as a machine gunner, you know, the, the, I, I used to love this, this, this weapon, bro. And they're trying to take it away from me mm. because I'm in a leadership mm. position now. And it was funny because, uh, funny story about that. They had to literally trick me to take it away. So I, <laughs> we used to sleep with our weapons. Like mm. it didn't matter where we were, when we were, if we were in a building where they were sleeping outside, we're sleeping in the vehicle you have your rifle or your machine gun with you at all times, locked and loaded, ready to go to a certain extent. Yeah, extent. no, I got you. Yeah. But um, I remember they, they, cause at that time they were, they were coming out with these Kunu like uh, bodies for them where they're making them smaller and, you know, it was all more compact to be able to go into these buildings cause that's what we were doing. And they told me like, dude, we got all these new stuff. We want to hook you up. And I was like, Oh, cool. And, they're like, but you got to bring it into the arms room. That way we could, you know, oh, take care of you. Dirty so I went, dogs, yeah, bro. I turned it in. And as soon as I turned it in, the arms room, we had it like, you know, kind of like caged up so no one can go in and, and take things that didn't belong to them. 
they threw me back an M4, which is oh, you know, an AR. Oh. And I'm looking at them like no. rage. You're bro. Like, like, I'm sorry, honey. I, they lied to me. Uh. <laughs> dude, I was so bad. Dude. I bet. Yeah, but um, you know, with that, like, it was pretty cool because um, I was able to let go of that that mindset, and now I understood. Like, I I was in charge of these four guys, so I had to be more mobile. And not long after that, my the guy that was in charge of my squad, which my was my sergeant, he left to go train the Iraqi uh, military. For, for for good so i ended up inheriting 10 guys mm-hmm. so here i was 21 years old you know what i mean like which most 20 21 years old are trying to figure out what their life is i'm in charge of 18 and 19 year olds in a combat zone going into you know going past what we called past the wire mm-hmm. where you left your base and you went right into it and we're doing patrols and you know we're, we're gathering intel and you know, we're doing our thing. So it was, it was definitely nuts. Yeah. Cause it's not something you get, you're prepared for, but it's something that you just adapt, you mm-hmm. know, and in the military we have a, you know, we have a saying that's called adapt and overcome. Mm-hmm. You just, you don't, you don't think you just do. You know what I mean? You just, you, whatever situation is handed to you, you better figure it out quick, especially in a, in a, in a scenario like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you don't have time to get ready or whatever. You just do it, mm-hmm. you know? And, but by the grace of God, I had guys that like I already had been with and I trusted. And, you know, that's that was the thing. Like, you know, what we said, mm-hmm. we have we had that camaraderie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where I didn't have to like I didn't have to do anything crazy. We just, you know, I moved up and I moved somebody else that I trust in. All right, bro, mm-hmm. let's let's move. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, at this time, were you a believer at all? Nah. No. So kind of a backstory of that mm-hmm. I I started coming to Calvary Chapel and, and to you know church when I was 15, but I went because my mom, my mom gave her life to the Lord. Mm-hmm. But I just sat. Was it under raw? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it, it was at Golden Springs. Okay. So I just you know I would just I was a 15 year old dude like you know already already set in my ways like my mom just found faith and, you know I didn't even understand it mm-hmm. you know I just understood like the whole Catholic deal right you know what mm-hmm. I mean like I I would you know I just I knew who Jesus was. But I didn't know him. So, so you weren't really impacted by the message back then. No. Okay. No, nah, not at all. Right. I'll, so, I, I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. And so, just I'm just curious about something in yeah. parentheses, real quick, because th- this, like, so there is like the storyline of our lives, right? Like, and and I recognize from hearing you talk right now that that is sort of the storyline of your life so far, at least. And yeah. we hope to dive into more of it actually, but um, that you, you, you were at church, but it wasn't your yeah. thing or, whatever. but, Not but now, now that you are, you know, and, and you've also established to us that it, it wasn't, you weren't a believer back then. Yeah. Can you still remember certain times though, that certain things were said or not at all? Like, it never... yeah. So like, it, it was always crazy. So when, when I went overseas, you know, my mom, you know, I still have my Bible that she sent me over there. Um, and it's still, it's funny. So my very first package, um, that she ever sent me, my twin brother, she sent us laundry soap. Cause mm. we told her like, dude, we don't have nothing to wash our clothes. Like mm. we're using mm. bars of soap while we're wearing it. So can you send us some laundry mm. soap? Mm-hmm. She sent us this powder laundry soap and it got over everything. Mm. Like all, all the <laughs> snacks, like my Bible. So I still have the original Bible with the the laundry soap uh-huh. embedded in Thank it. You so smell it. Yeah, that's crazy. But uh, so I, one thing that I always took away from Pastor Rao, even as a kid, mm. is that if if you die today as a non-believer, you're you're you know you're not gonna be in eternity with with 
him. Right. You're not going to be in heaven. You're going to go to hell. And it was something that always scared me, mm. even in, in Iraq. Like, I I never read the Bible fully, but, like, I was, I was to that point where I would read it. Mm. You know, I didn't understand none of it, not even the New Testament, none of it. Um, I prayed, but, like, it was such a rehearsed prayer right. every single now, night. Now that you're a believer, you can look back and see that, yeah. that the difference, right? Exactly. Right. But yeah. at the time, you were kind of scratching for something, yeah, though. Like, exactly. okay. And, like, you know, there was other believers there, but, like, I didn't want, you know, that wasn't, like, I would always tell them, like, oh, now I'm cool with the Bible study, dude. Like, that's not my thing. Gotcha. You know what I mean? But, like, I, I always would, you know, ask the Lord, forgive me of my sin for today. I understand. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. I never really... Mostly driven in fear, though, like as yeah. you're saying. Like it was you... more fear of, like, where am I going to end up if yeah. today's my, my last day or tonight's my last night? Okay. Yeah, it was more of the fear of the death, you know, mm. dying. Yep. You know, but, um, yeah, it, it, that's one thing that I never, I never forgot as a kid, mm. you know, because I would sit into, I would sit in studies. Um, my mom would never let me go upstairs to, to, I don't even know if Scott was teaching. He probably was, but yeah. he not. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> but she never, like, she always wanted me to be right there with her yeah. to make sure that I was actually like there. hearing yeah. something, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, man, like I heard, I, I would go to church every day. Oh, every Sunday with mm-hmm. my mom up until I left basic. And um, even it, it was crazy. My mom would send me the bulletins at to, to Iraq of what happened. And we would get our mail like a month or whatever mm-hmm. later. So I would be reading the bulletins, like just wishing I was at church. Dang. It's yeah. like the one thing I had that, that always brought me peace was mm-hmm. reading, you know, the scriptures that my mom gave me. And just kind of remembering back of like my family going to so church. so it represented like a contrast to your situation that yeah. you're in. You're like, dude, this is home. This is exactly. family. This is love. This is God. Exactly. Like, and it was crazy because, like I said, I was never a believer, man. Mm-hmm. I never. I walked up when when I was a kid, mm-hmm. but only because my mom was like, "Yo, let's go." Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was never like me, like the Lord tugging on my heart. Sure. It was just like, okay, I guess I got this is what I got to do. You know. Yeah. But um, that, real quick, I, I do. I'm curious. As you were in that young stage, were you like someone who was like just wild and reckless? Yeah, or, yeah okay, dude. I'm kind of curious. I was nuts, bro. Like, so just growing up, dude. It was just <laughs> let's just say like I was like a party animal. Okay. As a, the moment like I got my my a car, which was 15. You know, because my, my dad taught me how to drive when I was like nine. Dude. Your mom so, and your dad together? No, no, no. They mm-hmm. they separated. They separated every time me and my brother came back into the picture. <laughs> it's what I oh. believe it. On. I played on my twin brother. Yeah, but, yeah, no, yeah. No, they they went off and on. You know, throughout my whole childhood. So um, they they actually it was funny. They got back together when we left to the service, mm-hmm. and then when we got out of the service, they broke up again. So I, that's why I say that. Like, uh, yeah. I, but I blame it again on my twin. Brother. <laughs> <laughs> whatever he did. It was Shout out to your twin brother <laughs> yeah. watching this. Way to go, Caesar. Way to go, Shout out Caesar, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I was I was a crazy kid, dude, and like I was already by that time sexually active. You mm-hmm. know, I was doing drugs yeah. for the for the most part. Nothing crazy until after I got out of high school. I used to be. You know, in sports, so I kept it to a minimum. You Where'd know? you grow up? I grew up in uh, Covina, right by, mm-hmm. um, right, right by, what is it, uh, 
Grand and um, Cypress. Oh, I grew up I right know there. The neighborhood. Yeah, dude. Like that I was, grew up in Baldwin Park, like on the on the line of Covina and Baldwin dude, Park. Yeah, so, yeah, dude. Like I, I used to, I used to go over there like crazy. Party all the yeah, time. Take yeah. up all the high nuts, dude. Everything, <laughs> bro. Yeah, dude like, I used to, we, me and my twin brother, like I said, we oh, were, yeah. we were driving. Oh, for sure. And, Twins, like, bro. Like, that's yeah. yeah that's your, that's dude. your ace in the hole, right? Yeah. Dude, There's like, two of us. <laughs> <laughs> it was always a trip, dude. That's funny. Yeah, you know, it's it was something that kind of like I don't know, like I said, when I was over there, dude, it always mm. brought me peace to like mm. to see the picture. My mom sent me pictures of my whole family at mm. church, and you know, it was something that always brought me back. But like I said, I was never really connected to it. You know, it, yeah. it, I couldn't, I didn't know what it was to be a Christian or a true believer. I just knew, yeah. I knew who Jesus was. Yeah, and, no, it's it's making sense to me. You know, yeah. it, it, the illustration that comes to mind is like. You know, like a kid looking in a toy store. You That's know what it, I mean? Dude. He he's seeing it and he's longing for it and yeah. he knows it's real, but he's not in there, bro. Exactly. And he's not a part of it. You know exactly. what I mean? He's out here in the cold. You know, yeah, so exactly. I could see that in your story. Yeah. So I mean, it it was um, you know it, it's kind of like even for for me, my twin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we would you know find peace in that. You know, even even with the craziness that we had. Because I'm not gonna lie, like when you're over there, dude, like the first thing that happens to you is you're normally it, it goes numb. Like the things mm. you see, the the hatred you feel, like mm. it just overcomes like everything. You know, yep. one thing in the service is, especially in the infantry and, and a lot of Marines, like the same deal is we're taught how to be angry constantly. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that way when it when stuff like yep. kicks off, you go from being already angry to mm-hmm. you know, rage. Right. And like there's no thoughts, there's no right. feelings, like it's just right. you do what you gotta do. Right, and if you can dehumanize That's people, it. then they, they're more effective. Yeah, man, know? and it, it's what's it's what's what's crazy because, like, I know for myself the things that I did see over there, like, dude, I, the, you would I, you learn to laugh at the things that, dude, it's not even funny, right? Mm. You know, and 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 it's one thing. Like, I remember when me and my twin brother came home, right? We'd be telling stories because everybody always wanted to ask, like, you know. What, what did what's you war see? About? Yeah. yeah, did you do? Did yeah. you kill anybody? Yeah. The worst and like, question. Dude, no. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so like, you know, we would we would you know open up to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but like you know when we would joke around and we'd make our comments, they would look at us like, dude, like how's that even funny? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'd be like looking at them like, how's that not? Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. so you know you kind of yeah. There's a weird psychology behind people that you know it's a way uh, I see in police officers too mm-hmm. in certain case certain cases. Or it's like making things that truly affect the human soul insignificant yeah. for the sake of now I don't have to bear that because it's just like it's, it's just the way it it's is. It's the way it is. Yeah. yeah. It's if you like again dehumanizing it makes you be able to carry on like instead of sitting there lingering like yeah. other people. You have a instead sense of, of humor. A, yeah. Instead of being a bleeding heart over it. Also, I would I would imagine that now as a Christian. There's probably a tremendous amount of compassion you can have on a person whenever people get like, you see this a lot in politics and stuff where someone gets really burned Mm. for something they said once, or you see like actors or directors are just like, dude, here's footage of him saying this. And you're looking at that and as a citizen, like a a non-desensitized citizen of like here, never been anywhere. You're like, oh my gosh, like how could they say that? Mm -hmm. But in your shoes, I would imagine, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but that there's an, uh, as a Christian, there's an amount of compassion because you know what it's like to say things that when you're in it, 
might sound crazy to other people, yeah. but there, like, you, your heart wasn't really fully evil, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it was just the way that you were accustomed for right. a while. You know, it's something that, that uh, you know, it, it's crazy, man. Like, when you're, when you're in a situation like that, especially for as long as I was, mm. I, my first tour was 15 months mm. straight. There was no, you know, there was no breaks. There was no coming back, then going back over there. It was for one solid year. And then, you know, we, we, well, a year after the, our year went up, we, were, we thought we were going home. And then we ended up getting extend, extended and going up north to where there was like no military presence whatsoever. Mm. So we went from central Baghdad mm. and like the craziness of the city and getting all that not so much under control, but like, you know, people were used to seeing us. Yeah. You know, when when we came through. Like everything pretty much chilled out because they right. knew we didn't mess around. Right, 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 right. The um, respect there the, the, yeah. for some point because yeah. what we were is we were called a mechanized unit, which was it was not a tank, but it was you know we we had the the, the soldiers in the back. Mm-hmm. We we drop a ramp, dude, and you know ten guys would get out, capable uh, instantaneously, and we yeah. yeah gotcha. So it was a fighting uh, an elite fighting group, mm-hmm. man. So when we went up up north to this roar, like no no like buildings it was all huts mm. you know it was different yeah you know what i mean like people looking at us like what what are you yeah like yeah. what are you doing here you yeah. know and we pretty much had to start all over mm. but um yeah it's just like you come back from that to here and like you don't know how to live anymore yeah you mm. know what i mean it's almost like here where we live the united states this is a foreign country to yeah. us wow you know because yeah. Yeah, man. It makes sense, you know, that you you go somewhere and you have to become a certain kind of animal in order to exist. Yeah, man. And now that you are that, then you come back to this place where those animals don't exist. Yeah. And you just don't fit anymore. Exactly. I remember one thing that, you know, and she never knew, like, uh, my mom, my mom, you know, before I left to the military, I was always like, you know, dude, I had more patience than than anybody. Mm. You know, I was was kind-hearted and Real chill, dude. Like, you know, I was that guy that when, when she got me mad, though, like, it was down yeah, and over. Yeah, yeah. But I remember when I came home, my mom would always tell me, like, dude, like, what, what's up with you? Like, you're not even the kid that I once knew. And she would say this over and over again until one day I had to tell her, like, look, man, all honesty, I don't even know who that kid is. I don't even know who that person is. Like, that guy's dead. Mm. This is me now. Like, you, you better just, you have to understand it and you got you to gotta live with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I was a firecracker, bro. I mean, me and my twin. Mm. You know, we went from zero to a thousand in seconds, mm-hmm. you know? But, um, yeah. Is that you, something you still battle? So, anger, anger. I have, um, I battle with anger, uh, anxiety. I used to have heavy paranoia, mm. um, but anger's still my, like, my number one. Did, did, was there any drugs involved in your life in any um, other process or? When, when I came home, um, I, I left the whole drug scene just in general. Once I got into the service, mm-hmm. um, there was a, there was an incident when I was when I was in that um, that someone had shipped me over some stuff mm-hmm. from here that some meth that I that I used to deal with back yeah. in the day, and you know when I got to that point where I was like, all right, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of left that that side behind behind me, but alcohol was like my thing. Okay, got you. Drinking beer, like that was that yeah, was it. I I understand that one. I I have some good friends of mine that have had history with like hard drugs, meth in yeah. particular, and alcohol always is like it's it's 
completely damaging, mm. but it's the safer, like, well, it's I'm not going to be a meth addict. Yeah, yeah. But a drunk, like I could, I could roll like this. Like yeah. you still, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and what's crazy is like, I remember when my brother first got home and we, we got out all together, mm. like my mom and dad would leave to work. We go in the garage, we start drinking and they come home and we're still there in the same spot mm. drinking. But like we're functioning, mm. you know, it was never like we're sloppy and all over the place. It's how we kind of mellowed ourselves out. Yeah. So yeah. we could like you know, do what right. we got to do. Numbs that anxiety. That's, exactly. that's crazy because, yeah. you you know, you have this heightened sense of self-control that's been given to you now by, by the military. And now you come back and even though you're drinking like a madman, probably going crazy, but, but there's a little bit more functional because you have self-control, right? Yeah. You're like a person is like, I'm, I'll do what I'm I good. want. Yeah, yeah. Like I could stop myself exactly. to do anything, you know, like, and, it, and it's true. You know what? Like even, even just, just throughout that whole time. Cause I lived, I got out, uh, I got out of service in, uh, in 2006, I was out for a while doing air conditioning. And then in 2007, near the, near the end of 2007, I got, I got orders to, I had to go back. So mm. it's called the backdoor draft where pretty much they, they draft people that had already been served, that already served mm. and you, you get recalled and you got to go back. Right. Um, but up until that time, man, like that's how I kind of dealt with everything. Mm. Like I drank to the point where I was that fun, like, you know, let's go drinking. And there was only certain times, certain levels of me overdoing it mm. where people seen that anger. Mm. You know, I'd be with my boys and, you know, I, you know, somebody, somebody just looked at me wrong mm. and I just snapped, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's one of the biggest things that like, you know, we, we do as vets, we, we, you know, self-medicate in certain aspects right. mm -hmm. where, you know, when we're here, you know, we're, we're so used to being in such a chaotic world and like, you know, live in a different way that when you come back here and now you're supposed to live more normal per mm -hmm. se mm -hmm. like you you don't know what that normalcy yeah. is mm -hmm. yeah you know? yeah a good buddy of mine he would explain to me how he's a he's a marine and um he would explain to me how uh the anxiety of like sitting in a room with normal people, people like and they're all there and he's like mm. like and the only thing that's gonna make it go away is he would go out to his car where he had like bottle of jack or whatever and just like hit it real hard real quick and then not come in like a drunk like other people would come in like like mellow and people wouldn't even yeah. know he drank yeah. and now he could sit like at a crisp like where family members and little kids are saying like oh i like your jacket or whatever yeah. and be nor be kind of normal you know and that yeah. became hidden like habit bro like yeah. had to wow. you know i would yeah. imagine like if the body is so used to preparing for that battle like your, yeah. your anxiety is building up yeah. the adrenaline and it gets released when you're in That's that it. action and now that that action is taken away you just have it build up it's just there it's just mm. there just you don't know how to react do with that so oh, so like you i don't want to like you're you're in the military and you're out there and then what's it like you know, did you have any close calls? Oh, sorry, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, no that's no, that's kind of yeah. where I'm no, going. You know yeah. what? So uh, it was actually kind of crazy. So we pretty much had to make it a point where me and my twin brother wouldn't hang out no more, like together at one point in time. So between between our, our uh, like November to December of 2003, we were we were all almost killed instantaneously all together at the same time. Um, so in November, 
November 2003, we had a big meeting right, mm-hmm. within our company. And uh, at the time, we had took over uh, one of Saddam's uh, like vacation. It's a, it was a neighborhood. That's it was crazy literally, to say. Yeah, it, was, it was literally <laughs> like, uh, so it was his palace, a huge mm. palace, man, that was like, dude, it was just crazy. And then he had many mansions. Did you get to go in his pool? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So literally, like legit. Like it was. I'll, I'll talk about it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll talk about that. So we, we spoils were, of war. <laughs> so on this place, so it was literally like the he had he had palaces everywhere, dude. Like just yeah. everywhere, in different parts of the. He's world. He's like a little uh, god in yeah, his own. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it was a trip because he idolized Nebuchadnezzar. Wow. Oh, yeah. So it's it's a like a fun little fact. So he he idolized him, and on every single palace that he had, he had a giant statue. Full on like Saddam statue mm. of his face, and some had like his military uniform, some had like you know just him wearing like a crown, like it was crazy, dude. Wow. Yeah. So like, but he had it on all four corners of his palace, wow. on every single palace that he had. I, I have pe- pictures, and I'll, I'll, I'll shoot them over <laughs> to you. Yeah. But um, so we stayed in this compound, and in this compound, dude had like straight up like man eating lions. Uh, he had one male and three females and some cubs that they would like. He again, he was into like like Rome. They would feed people to these lions. Oh my gosh! So it was it was just a gnarly like place and what? everything all together. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like people would tell me like the guys that would come in to feed these lions would tell us like yeah, this is what used to go on. Like it used to be a sport. You know, they would they they said they would have um, Iraqis. They would just they would take a random guy from the street. They would bring them there because they would have like. You know, the certain people come from like different countries or whatever to to just stay there with him, and they would tell him like, "All right, go to the farthest end of the cage, and if you can make it, we're gonna let the lions go. If you can make it to the very end, we'll let you live." He would he would get. They said they they would get to the very end and they would let let the lions just eat them, and that was like the the best part. They said to them, like hilarious to them or yeah, something. Gosh. They would laugh at it. Like it was just, it like was this just guy nuts. thought he was gonna get out. Even yeah. if he made it, he was never gonna get yeah, out. Yeah, it was just so like it, it was just a crazy. Like we lived in some crazy like environments yeah. of where like just histories, man. Like I in that in that palace, it was all bombed out. But we went underneath. It was all full of water. But we seen Saddam's collection of cars, dude. Like he had Mac. No like way. they're all dude Rolls Royces, like American or like yeah. all yeah, all European. underwater jacked up. But like to even like Dang. see that, I was just like, yeah, dude. It was Whoa. like, dude, I'm in Saddam's house. Dude. That's like, crazy, bro. Yeah, but it you know there was so that night we were having a we were having a um little powwow and it was Ramadan, mm-hmm. and it was you know a big celebration that they still do, mm-hmm. and the biggest thing was our dog tags. I'll never forget this meeting because they were just like, you know, you got to make sure the way we used to wear our dog tags is one would be on your on your neck, one would be on your boot in case a leg got blown off or something like, you know, or that's all they found. They knew right. how to identify us. Right. And, um, you know, we've never at this point, we hadn't been, it was all um, small arms fire since that we've been there. You know, no bombs, no no roadside bombs, none of that, dude. That night, after, as soon as we got done with our meeting, it was me and my twin brother and my cousin. We were walking down the street heading to the chow hall and we heard like these weird thump 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 noises mm. and it was rockets there so where the where the um the houses were it was along the tigris river so on the other side of the tigris river was the you know that pretty much the the um the enemy side mm. where we were at was the what we called the green zone 
you know, you had to go over a bridge and over to get where we were at. So they let off these rockets. And as soon as one, one hit, you know, about 25 feet away from us. Mm. So we were running and we just, instead of staying on the road, we ran behind this dumpster and one hit the dumpster. Boom. Oh. Yeah. And it was just, it was a loud, like, you know, if I've never been rocked like that before. And mm. it instantly threw me, my twin brother, my cousin off to the side. And then two other times, the same thing happened. So it's kind of like, you know, Dang. yeah. So we literally would tell each other, like, dude, after the third time, like we were doing laundry. We're like, yo, bro, like we can't kick it no more. Dude. He's like, you know, you guys, yeah. it's only two per limit. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this party can't be full. <laughs> but yeah, there was a lot of close calls, man. Um, one I shared in a, in a video that we did for Front Sight. One of the, one of the scariest ones that I ever, we ever uh, experienced was um, we we had gotten we got tasked out to go help out some tankers that that were in a different part of Baghdad that we were. They were, um, you know, the tanks that they had, they weren't as mobile as what we had. So they were really getting hit pretty hard. Um, we we went in and, you know, day one, the moment we got there, uh, a soldier got hit with a rocket. And, uh, you know, it, it just, it was just mayhem. Well, mm. we were, we got intel that, um, that the Taliban was supposed to be coming down a certain road. And, you know, we posted up kind of just waiting them out. Little did we know, they already had us pinpointed. Like our position was already, they already knew where we're at. They knew where, they you were. knew where we were at. Someone in the village already had told them where we were at. And within, you know, we were, it was all quiet. It was dead at night. And then instantly we just started getting rained on. And uh, it was, it lasted for me at the time. It felt like it lasted forever. Hmm. Um, but we were just getting rocketed to the point that I tasted the, the gunpowder of the rockets. Oof. But at this point in time, they had moved me from being on the ground as a, as, you know, ground, a ground pounder is what we used to call it to onto a vehicle as a gunner. I was a gunner on this, on this vehicle that, uh, that shot 25 millimeter, uh, you know, rounds, which were, they were pretty huge. And, um, I remember my twin brother and my cousin, uh, for the first time ever, were in the back of my track. And we, you know, we're, we're just setting up uh, an ROP, which, you know, outlooking position, waiting for the enemy to kind of come. We kicked them out and it was a flat land. And we just told them, like, you know, just get out there and, you know, just wait and just waiting until our signal or whatever, whatever happens. And then when when everything started going off, that's all I could think of is my twin brother, my cousin mm -hmm. and my my guys. They're, they're all out there, dude. They're out there un with no coverage. So we had like I said, it was it was. It was all dirt. There was, you know, flat land mud. And I popped myself above the, the hatch. And it's just like for the some point where you see in the movies, all it was was flashing lights mm -hmm. everywhere from the rockets just going off all around us. And all I seen, which, what I thought was, was bodies laid out. Oof. And I didn't know if one of them was my brother, one of them wasn't, one of them was my cousin, one of them wasn't. And I mean, even B... Like all these guys, man. Like we all, we all in a sense grow up together, you know, as a family. You know, we we go to the field together. We live together. You know, we take classes together. Like you, know, we there's a brotherhood regardless. Mm -hmm. You know, even for the guys that you don't like and you can't stand, yeah. you're still willing to take a bullet for that dude. Mm -hmm. You know, no questions asked. If he gets hit, you're going out there. You're gonna get him. Like there's just still, it's just the way that you're bred. Um, it, it was one of the scariest moments of my life because I didn't know, but my twin and, and my cousins, they, they started rolling 
under the Humvees and, and um, they were, you know, kind of getting into ditches, just digging holes to mm. kind of protect themselves from wherever they could. But yeah, there was a lot of like just crazy moments, man. Like just is that, different aspects. Is that something that carried with you? Like, oh yeah, dude. Like even not just, not just with my, with my twin and my cousin, just my, like my brothers, man, my other mm. guys, dude, like just the craziness. Yeah. There's a, there's a picture um, at front site uh, where, I came out and, and covered Time Magazine, and they have it up there, and I'm looking up, and people always ask me, like, well, what were you looking at? And I was like, well, we're looking for snipers. You know, we had we were on a mission where, you remember the uh, when they had the deck of cards? Mm-hmm. Well, we were looking for eight guys from that deck of cards that were living in one building. And it was it was pretty much like a, like a um, best way to describe it, it, was, it looked like a building that you see in New York. Tall, many floors, like... So we, we, it was supposed to be a 24-hour mission, and kind of like Black Hawk Down, it, it ended up being almost three days. Mm-hmm. And within that time, you know, once you're, once you're there in one position for more than, you know, 24 hours, you know, there's so much that can happen, you know? Yeah. Like, it's literally one of those that when you're doing a big mission like that, you got to, you know, SWAT team, dude, you got to get in, get out before, like, anybody could come out and retaliate. Well, going into the third day, man, we started getting a sniper fire. And, um, you know, by the grace of God, no one got hit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's the scariest moment when when you're, you know, the buddy that, that you used to go out and hanging out with, standing right next to you, and you don't know whether he's going to have his mm-hmm. face in the next couple of minutes. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it, there was always, like, some sort of... Yeah. Anytime you left the wire, dude, anytime, it didn't matter. Even if it was a routine uh, patrol, there was always some sense of, Man, I wonder if I'm gonna make it back tonight. Yeah, right. you just live looking over by your shoulder. Moment. Just yeah. yeah, you just never knew. We literally lived minute by minute because you just didn't know. Mm. You didn't know if Sanchez was gonna come back or Crespo or my brother or my cousin. You didn't know once they left that wire if they ever were gonna you're gonna see him again. Mm. And it's kind of like the reality that that hit your head. Like you just, I just never knew, you know. And and I always kind of I always accepted as as morbid as it sounds, I accepted my brother being killed. Mm-hmm. You know, I already had grieved. I already had accepted it. So that way in my mind, when it happens, I'm going to keep pushing on. I have to, mm-hmm. like, I need to finish what I got to do. You know, if my cousin got hit, I already grieved in my heart for him. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in my heart, like we were all already good as dead until we, until we hit stateside. Wow. Yeah. So- it's, it's just the way the mentality, like you said earlier, you got to get in this mentality of just detaching yourself from everything. I, I detached myself from my family back home, from my mm. parents, my sisters. You know, I detached myself from my twin brother and my friends there to where if they died, man, it's going to hurt. But I still got, you know, I still got however many months to go. Like, I still got to complete the mission, you know? Wow. So, yeah. God was keeping you, protecting you that whole oh, yeah. time. That's so awesome to see that before we become christian god yeah. still has a plan and yeah. he's sovereign over that whole time period and to even to keep your brother your yeah. cousin with you safe that whole experience like that's like to me those are like those miraculous things yeah. i mean obviously the world will take it for granted and be like oh, hey sure. it's, it's war people exactly. live, people die but i see just the hand of god preparing you your family for where we're at now so so tell us a little bit about your transition from going from being in the army to then becoming a Christian, yeah. So, in uh, in uh, it's what I shared about at that at that men's breakfast. So in 2007, I was kind of going through like the this 
the lowest of the low of, of my life, you know. I I drank like I I'd be around people, but I I wouldn't be connected with people. Even my twin brother, like to a certain point, we didn't talk about like what we saw over there, what we did over there. Like it was like it never happened. Mm. So it was never something that I got off my chest. Um, and in 2007, I decided I wanted to kill myself. Now, like, and, is that something that slowly started to brew inside of your head, like little by little? You know what? Uh, it was something that like when. So when I got out, like, there was so many times of, like, my having rages and being angry and, like, seeing the disappointing or, or scared look on my sister's faces or my mom's faces every time I blew up. And, you know, my pops looking at me like, dude, what's wrong with you? You know, like, you start to feel like a burden to your family. Mm-hmm. And in your mind, you you kind of you kind of just make it seem like, how can I put it? it? It'll be better. They'll be better off. Like, they don't have to deal with me no more. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll be so much happier without me here. And that's, in a sense, why a lot of vets do commit suicide. Because, you know, we feel like burdens to our family because of the issues that we do bring home with us from war or, you know, whatever. Yeah, like the reality of you hurts people, but the memory of you people love. Like yeah. when you're gone, they're like, we love you, we love you, we yeah. miss you. And then when you're here, you're hurting people. Exactly. So it's like, and let me just become heart. a memory, you know, yeah. it'd be better, you know. Yeah, man. So in... In 2007, I, I I wanted off myself, but you know, being that my twin brother was, you know, we were living together with my mom in Hacienda Heights, and my dad, um, I already knew that like nine out of ten, if I do this right now, like dude's gonna walk in, he's gonna find me, he's gonna do the same. And in my mind, I was like, dude, I, I can't do that to my mom, mm-hmm. so I, I didn't. And you know, I know now, like the Lord had a, had a plan for me because not two weeks later, I got. Uh, a FedEx dude at my doorstep asking specifically for me. I signed it and it was a plane ticket and my orders to go back to Georgia. I had two weeks to prepare everything and go to Georgia to get ready to go back overseas. Mm. So in my mind, I'm thinking this was in 2008 that I finally ended up leaving. In my mind, I'm thinking, cool, like I'm going to go out there. If I die, even better. Yeah. I'm going to die a soldier. Right. You know I mean? I'm not going to die. Everybody be like, own. oh, he's, he That's died it. serving the country. Exactly. We love him. Yeah. So yeah. It, it was kind of like a win-win for me. To go out um, on, a good, on a good note. Huh? That's it. Especially at the time, I was in a, in a relationship where, you know, it was just, everything was just all bad. Like, you know, I was disconnected from family. Right. Um, the relationship I was in, I was just in it. Like, it wasn't, yeah. you know, anything, anything good for me. Mm. Um, so it was just all bad. But like, I remember when I went into in 2008, that's where kind of like everything started changing. Like I see it now. That's it's it was the Lord had his hand on it the whole way through um, from the moment I got there. Um, you know, it was it was kind of nuts in the area I was in. But like, you know, even even though I was disconnected from my family, even more so. One day, my twin brother hits me up and he's like, hey, dude, you never guess who I ran into. And I was like, who? Which he said, oh, Cecilia, who's my wife. Like, oh, I ran into Cecilia, you know, blah, blah. He's like, you should hit her up on, on MySpace, right? I was back then. So I'm like, yeah, for sure. Do y'all hit now her she's up? somebody that you guys kind of knew before? Yeah, or? we went to high school together. Okay. So we went to high school. So going to high school, me and my wife, we uh, we weren't like... She like, wasn't your tight. wife then. Yeah, she, no. Yeah. We, like, we didn't even date. We were, we were barely friends. I knew her, and I seen her at parties, but like we weren't like that tight. She yeah. was more friends with my twin. Okay. Um. So he was like, "Yeah, you should just hit her up." And I was like, "Yeah, for sure, dude. Whatever, dude. Like, I'll hit her up." So we did, and then you know we we would we would talk, and you know I started growing feelings, and I'm mm. like, "Dang, dude. Like, I, I can't do this, man. Like, yeah. I'm over here, bro. Like, <laughs> so 
So come to find out she was going feelings for me. It was like all a love story, dude. Yeah, yeah, like you yeah, see yeah. it, bro. It was like the notebook, dude. Yeah. Like we write every day. I would be on the phone like crazy with her. The good stuff. Yeah, dude. And I got to know her through just that talking. No dates, no nothing. We actually dated for six months before we ever went out on our first date. So, uh, so I'm just curious yeah. about something real quick. Like this is all after that real dark chapter that you. So were- I was still in it. Okay. I was still all in so it. So she's like this little flower in the yeah. middle of like the ashes, right? Exactly. Okay. That makes sense. Beauty from ashes, bro. I could see why I could see why somebody could fall in love too, though, because like here is a little flower in the middle of like hell, you yeah, know. So dude. and it, and it wasn't even Iraq, bro, because I was right. used to that. You know that that part of that part of the world, like no, the, no, I, yeah, yeah, this is hell, right? Yeah. And that's what yeah. from your story, I've already gathered like. Like you, 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 oh, I know how to be the soldier. Like yeah, I'll go out there. If easy. I die, I die. That's what it is. Yeah. But, but to be the human being, wow, is yeah, what you, you don't know it. how to be no more. Nah, you lose it. And what what's sad is to kind of to kind of come back into it. So when when I got out, I was done with it all. You know, my wife was a believer at the time, mm. and my my grandma had just passed away, mm. and my family had you know just started these Bible studies. And I remember the first Bible study I ever showed up to. You know, I didn't know even know it was a Bible study. My twin brother kind of messed with me. He's like, oh, do you show up to our tia's house? Like, everybody's getting together. So here I go with an 18-pack of beer to, uh, to a Bible, Bible study. study. Wow. <laughs> yeah, dude. So, like, I show up. Who's and they, teaching that Bible? I'm just curious. It was one of my cousins. Okay. So one of my cousins who was in the Air Force, um, he actually, he the Lord used him mightily to, like, to give me the word He's once I came back. Yeah. Probably praying for you all this time at this yeah, point. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure after he he like took one look at me, he was like, "Oh, dude, this guy needs prayer." <laughs> man. But um, yeah. So we came home. Me and my wife were living together. You know, we didn't know the Lord. And uh, the way it all came about with that cousin is me and my wife finally decided after after a year of me being back, we wanted to get married. Hmm. So I'm paying for the marriage, or for the wedding. You know, with my deployment money, it's running. It's running low. Hmm. And I, you know, we're at, we're sitting down. We're like, man, we gotta get someone to marry us. So I'm over here, like, dude, my cousin's a pastor. He can marry us for free, right? So in my mind, I was like, I'm gonna save some cash. I cheat the system, yeah, real yeah, quick. yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> but he told us like, the only way I'll marry you is you gotta take these Christian counseling sessions with me. Dang. Yeah. So mm. we're going through the sessions, and in my mind, I'm like, and dude, he comes in with the tactic. Yeah. <laughs> well, so the crazy thing is that. Through like literally midway in, like we were just doing it, and then midway in, my wife gave herself to the Lord. Dang. Wow. Yeah. So my wife gave herself to the Lord, and like we ended up getting married. And after we got married, she was like, "Dude, I want to start going to church." Dang. So we started going, and I went because of her. You know what I mean? I was like, "Well, we're family, dude. We're going. Like, cool. Let's go to church." Where did you guys go at that time? We, my cousin had he had his own little his own little thing going. Okay, um, it was at a house first, sure. and then we moved to a building. And little by little, we started coming back to Calvary. Okay, little by little. Yeah. But at the time, I was still more one foot in, more one foot out. Right. There's something a little familiar here, yeah. and that is that I'm going for someone else, like to yeah, church. Exactly. The thing was that. So when I came home from my first tour in 2000, uh, 2005, um, the main thing I wanted to do is I wanted to, I wanted to go to church. I couldn't wait, dude. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go back to Calvary so badly. Yeah. And I went to Calvary with my family. And for about two months, I walked up to the altar to give my life to the Lord. Wow. But the thing was that, like, it was crazy. I, I didn't know what to expect, and I didn't feel nothing. I didn't mm-hmm. feel no different. I didn't feel no, you know, no peace. 
I still felt the same hatred. I still felt the same anger that was burning inside mm. me. So in my mind back then in 2005, I was thinking like, dude, the Lord doesn't want me. Mm-hmm. And in that that moment, I gave up on knowing the Lord, Christianity. I figured, all right, I'm destined to go to hell. And I accepted it, and I was good with it. So when I came back with my wife in 2008, uh, 2009, I'm sorry, 2010, we, we started going to Calvary. Um, I was just going for her, and, you know, I was listening to everything, and I was kind of hearing things for, like, you know, for the first time, and... You know, I, I was I was really just intrigued with it all. Like, you know, that that's dope. Jesus Jesus died for me, and then I heard Pastor Raul teaching, and he said, you know, even when you go to war and you mm. and you see all these crazy things, God still loves you. And I remember that just mm. touching my heart to the point it's like, so you're saying that no matter what, mm. He still loves me. And it and it just sat with me, and it, and it, it was just. Not the turning point because I didn't even fully give my life to the Lord till yeah. about 2012. Mm. You know, I'm I'm so sorry to cut yeah, no, you. You're good, uh, there's something that I saw right now in in that story um, that I des- I just have to share yeah. with, with potentially. I think I'm I think I'm sharing this with um, parents or Christians that are praying for someone, Kids. right? Yeah, somebody yeah, like that nephew or somebody that yeah. right. And and here's what it is: there there was. There was nothing that was done wrong from anybody Mm-mm. those other times that you went up, no. right? Like, like from your kid, your mom bringing her kid, right? Or, or like all those times that you go up, right? To to the but, but here's what I'm here's what what I have to like what I see, bro, in your story that that's almost like revelation to me even right now, bro. Yeah. To be honest with you, and that is that we always think that we can create a scenario that will save people. Mm. But it's Jesus who saves people, bro. Mm. Like, And so we obsess about closing the sale with getting someone to say the prayer or like, I got to get them to come here or yeah. go up. Or I got to get them. And at the end of the day, what people need to know, bro, what they need to know is that whatever degree you love somebody you're praying for, you want them to get saved, you want them, whatever degree that you love them, Jesus loves them more than you do. Yeah. And his timing's better than your timing. Like mm-hmm. we 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 can be so obsessed with getting somebody to go and make that decision that we're actually obsessing about something that's not really the main thing. Yeah. Because at some point as we lift people up, God hears our prayers, but m- most of all God loves that person yeah. and he his timing, bro, like he sees a person's life and he knows that I can hit them here, 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 here. And it's not going to be until this, like this chapter, this season. And so I just want to encourage that mother who's been praying. It's not, it's not our terms. Like it's not, it's not that you didn't say it. You should, I should have invited him more. I should have, or I should have pressed harder when he was there that one time. Why didn't I say you should just go up or, you know, because the truth is bro, that you like, here's a perfect example. Like how many times bro, your mom, when you were little, like, like going up all those other times, right? And and there's nothing that it's not that the song wasn't right yeah, exactly. or the message wasn't clear. Nope. It isn't until God does it, bro, yeah. in, in a person's heart. And so I just feel like that's some area that's not all of us, but some Christians are getting a little off. Like yeah. not not like I see a problem in the church, yeah, but I'm no, just saying like in in certain mentalities, it's like 
we obsess over making something happen and only God could do that from yeah. a person's heart. So I, no, and, for and, sure. And look, look how dark it got before that where he believed that he was destined for hell. Yeah, that's I, 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 I think that's something I personally had that thought in my own life at a certain yeah. point where I felt like I thought I committed the unpardonable sin and that it was a lie from the enemy. So there was a, a portion of my life where I just accepted the fact that I was going to go to hell. And I think that if there's people who might be listening to this who are, aren't saved and they feel like, well, that's that's me, mm. like I'm that guy who's already accepted the fact that I'm going to hell, that God can still right. work yeah. and that God can yeah. still redeem you and that he loves you and that he has a plan for your life. And yeah, we see yeah. that with you. It, it's, it's just crazy, man. Like, Because I know back then, like looking back at it now, like, I was going up for the wrong reasons. Mm. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to go up to know Jesus. I wanted Jesus to take away, you know, everything that I was dealing That's with. That's crazy. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I wanted, I wanted to be one of those guys that came up to him and was like, heal me. Mm. You know what I mean? And so I could walk away type deal. Mm. You know, what we read about in the, in the New Testament, mm-hmm. people would bring the lame and he would heal them and they just take off, you know? But like you said, man, it, I had to still go through some stuff. Mm-hmm. To fully understand, like, like, dude, I'm not gonna make it on my own, you know. And that's what it what it came down to, that like I, I got to this point where in 2012, I was still drinking, going to church, and you know I had been battling with uh with these wicked like dizzy spells and headaches, and I went to the VA. My wife finally got me to go to VA to kind of start getting checked and everything else, and it took about almost two years. I started going in 2010 and in 2012 they finally did a CAT scan on my brain and come to find out from one of the many explosions, I had what's called a micro brain hemorrhage in the back of my head. Mm. And from all the years of drinking, I had a blood puddle back here, Mm. which was causing like all these issues. And the doctor had told me flat out was like, dude, either you quit drinking or you're going to die. That was my, that was like, he's like, I can't put it to you no simpler. Like either you quit or you, you're gonna die. Cause I, even when he was telling me like, oh well you gotta you gotta knock that out. It's like, well how about if I just drink like every now and again mm. or on the weekends or on this or on that? And he just looked at me he's like, dude, you drink you die. Like mm. that's it. And I remember I was going at the time to ITT Tech, and uh, me and my buddy it was when uh, when um, the Lakers had won. Mm. It was back in I think it was like 2000 yeah 2012 they had just won, dude. So me and my buddies we had did school. We went down to uh, to their house. And we were drinking, and this was already like you know a couple of weeks after I found this out. And I'm sitting there, and I'm I'm drinking a beer with my friends, and I'm just thinking like, man, what's it gonna take? Mm-hmm. At the time, I only had I have five kids now, by the way, but I only had three, and I you know they were coming to my head, and I'm like, man, dude, like, am, am I ever gonna watch my boys grow up? Mm-hmm. Am I ever gonna see my daughter, you know, walk down the aisle mm-hmm. all because of this? And I literally just. I just, you know, in the simplest way, I said, you know what, Lord, you want to take this from me, dude? You're going to have to take this from mm-hmm. me because I'm not going to stop. Yeah. Just like that. I'm not going to stop. So I took another swig and I just seen white. Like in my my eyes, I got this wicked headache, dude. My stomach turned. And in my mind, I was like, dude, like this is it. And it for me, again, like before, it felt like it lasted forever, dude, but it was only a couple of seconds. And I just started tripping out, dude. And I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. So I put that beard down, dude, and I'm talking to my friends. I grab another one. I, you know, opened it up and I took another swig. Same thing happened. And it's like that was um that was I was 29. That was right before my 30th birthday. Mm. And what's crazy is, so 
my me and my twin brother had planned it out, dude. Like we we're gonna throw the big bash for thirty. I had gave him like two hundred fifty bucks. The dirty thirty, <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. So like, right then and there, um, it was in the beginning part of April. I decided like, all right, that's it, dude. I'm not, I'm not gonna drink anymore. And it was like I said, the little things that the Lord mm-hmm. had to like, He had, He had to just show me, you know, on his on His terms. Like, all right, dude, you want it, you want to keep messing around. This is the outcome. And like, and it was just been like that, you know, with my anger, you know, it, the biggest heartache as, you know, just a person that battles with anger issues, you don't even have to be a vet. You just, you know, someone that battles with anger issues, being a parent, dude, the, the worst thing in mm. my life is seeing fear in my kids mm. because of me. And I've seen it way too often, at least in the past. I've seen it way too often, more than I, I even like to even recollect. Fear from my kids because of me getting angry. You know what I mean? And there came a, a point in my life where I just said, all right, Lord, like, I need you to just to just help me get through this life. Mm-hmm. Not not this day, not this month, but this life. I still battle with, with anger issues. I still have anxiety. You know, I still have paranoia from time to time. You know, I, I still got all my medical issues, dude, but like, Every day I gotta rely on the Lord to get me through that. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I can't I can't start my day without him because I already know what's coming. Like, you know what I mean? There's I still have the depression, the suicidal thoughts, like, you know, and it's just it's just another type of battle. Yeah. You know? And I'm pretty sure like whoever's out there, they're they're hearing they're they're they go through their own deals, you mm. know. Like again, it's not it's not just limited to vets. Like you don't have to go to war in some country. To understand what I'm talking about, like, how many times have you gotten angry behind the wheel? Mm. You know what I mean, like, and it, and it's that it, it's just that crazy, man. Like the Lord, the Lord had to like really like just show me, mm. and it, it whether it was you know the the possibility of not seeing my kids because I was drinking way too much mm. and I wouldn't give it up, or that that one night that I I saw a fear in my kid that that still haunts me to this day. Or my wife getting ready to just pack up and take off because of the way that I acted. You know, the Lord allows these situations, at least he allowed it in my life for sure, that I know to just, you know, let me get that change. Yeah. You know, if I would have just came and said, all right, Lord, here I am, take me. For all I know, dude, I would have like been all in and then just took off. You know, I wouldn't have lasted. Mm. You yeah. know? Like, yeah, you know, the, he asked me earlier, he's like, is there any, is there any things that you want to talk about like in particular in this podcast and just to let you know I, I watched your I watched that video you talked about a little bit uh, I watched the whole video but you talked a little bit about some of the stuff you talked about yeah um and and I was immediately drawn to you because of something that I relate not not military wise that stuff I kind of understand not yeah. f- not personally, but because of being raised and I just lived with, it's like if being like your kid, like, you know, like I got to see how God's hand can protect children. Yeah. Regardless of how jacked up their dad is. And I don't mean my dad wasn't like doing no, crazy, crazy, but like just, he was damaged goods in a way, you know? Mm. Um, but, but what I'm drawn to is it seems to be, and I don't think it is just two stories. I think a lot of people, 
are a blend of a, there's a lot more gray area in these in, in testimonies than we because we you know we kind of conclude right we look at our story and we see like mm. what we did and we see what God did and then we're like oh that's kind of like I fall into this category mm. you know and then and then we tell our story as such to that right yeah. but your honesty about your story is like you know it's 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 these moments where God's like you know showing up in your life even though you're not responding to him and yeah. there's this there's not this just like you know there's times you go up at altar calls and but mostly what I'm what I'm getting at is what I was drawn to is I can't relate to to the story where you're you're all good now. Mm-hmm. Now I know even Christians who have that testimony, they'll share with you. I'm not saying I was all good, yeah, like they didn't sure. sin again, but there's the the, the delivery story yeah. emphasized for people, right? Yeah. And I remember as you were talking, there were there were things that vices in my life, bro, like Depression is one, uh, like a cloud that follows me my whole life, bro. Like, you know, I was seven years old. My mom got cancer, like, and, and like being introduced to thoughts that I never thought about as a kid. And then I was like forced to watch pornography as a little kid Mm -hmm. and like, like forced, like locked in a room and like they made me watch it. And it was a, it was a friend's uncle that was forcing us to do it. And then his intention, I believe his intention was because mm. eventually then he's like in the room watching it with us. And then, but then he got caught before anything happened. Right. Like, yeah. like he, my buddy's mom found out and like, it got all crazy and all that other stuff. But nonetheless, before I even had the interest to like hold the girl's hand, there was all mm. this like imagery, like just yeah. bleeding right in my, so then there was like, I felt like, like a sicko, right. Even yeah. when I was choosing not to do bad things, it's just like all these ugly you're, wants, you're you know, and yeah, I'm just yeah. jacked up, you know? And so one of the things that, that I always felt like even back then was like sitting next to normal kids. I felt like, like the one who's got like a sickness inside, you know, like yeah. just all this ugly stuff, like in my head. And like, I remember the first time I ever held someone's hand, like, but also simultaneously these ugly thoughts and yet mm-hmm. I'm barely experiencing butterflies, you know, I'm yeah. like, so that was all backwards. It was all messed up. Yep. And one of the things that, uh, by my nature is I, I always seek like approval that has something to do with like my dad, that kind of stuff. Like I'm not going to get deep into yeah. that, but, um, because this isn't my podcast, bro, but, <laughs> but, but, um, one of the things in, in, in my walk was like, you know, when, when is something going to be big enough, pivotal enough to where I'll finally be free? Like mm-hmm. I'll finally be like, like, oh, I'll, I'll have that testimony. Like, I'll be able mm. to say, like, it was this moment, right? And here I'm listening to a guy who, like, you're talking about military. You're talking, I mean, it doesn't get much further than that, right? And it was then that I came home and I realized that I got saved and I never went back, you know? And it's not your story, yeah. bro. Mm. And so, but but here's what God's taught me, because the thing that always was simultaneously difficult was this tug inside my heart that I had a calling. Yeah. So now it's, like, really jarring my head, right? Because it's like... Like, not only can I not be a Christian the way I should be, but my calling from God is that he's going to use my life. Mm. How do you, how do you reconcile? I can't even be a Christian. And yeah, since way back, bro, like even before I ever admitted it to people, like I felt like God was calling me because he was going to use my life. Yeah. And what I've found thus far because i certainly haven't understood the whole story and i've learned not to draw conclusions too soon because you you don't know what's in your next <laughs> season right uh-huh. um because i'm sure there's moments in your marriage bro where you're still like dude oh, yeah. like or whatever all the things that you're gonna face as a parent everything is still to come right 
But the one thing that I found, and I hope I believe this is important for anybody that might be listening to your story, and that is, in some cases, it is very evident that Jesus jumps in the foxhole with you. Mm-hmm. That it's not just that you're brought out. And I feel like that's super important, bro. And and it, it means a lot hearing you talk about it because you learn to understand Jesus in, in a particular way when you experience him that way. Yeah. And, and that makes you not like you have to do that, have that in order to be effective, but it makes you effective in certain lightings with certain people because you can't fake, I understand you. Yeah. Right. You can't fake that. Like you can't make yourself a person who understands people, you know, and, and the Lord's really taught me that like with my marriage, you know, like, like he didn't give me the easy marriage so that I could tell people how good he is. He gave me the difficult so that here's what God really dropped a bomb the other day, bro. I'll share it with you. You know, every time a Christian, and I hope there's somebody listening that, that's got a difficult marriage. Yeah. You know, but every time a Christian is facing a difficulty in their marriage, they always look at the Christian who seems to be having a good marriage yeah. and they struggle, right? But the truth is that remember who the bride of Christ is. And you want to talk about the best person having the most difficult bride. That's Jesus, bro. Like imagine us three even. Just the crap that we know about ourselves as Christians, bro. Yeah. Like you're the bride of Christ biblically. Exactly. Right? So remember that. Like whenever things are difficult, like Jesus, dude, that's his, that's his bride. Like that's, that's a difficult man. And he's died. He died for that bride. Like, right. For that. So you know, bro, like it's it, it the other side to it is is I see a man there's there's enough things, bro, in you for people to think you're great. There's enough things that you've done, right? Like I mean, just just on the just on the superficial side, like the soldier, dude, this yeah. guy, like the the story, like machine gun, like yeah. then, you know what I mean? Everything, <laughs> yeah. right? He's crazy. He, he he probably you probably have crazier stories about how many people you beat down and all this other <laughs> yeah. stuff, right? But 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 from your perspective, you you know what you're not, bro. Yeah. So much so that you were to the point where you just rather have taken your own life, right? That's I it. know I know a lot about mm-hmm. that. Um, so, uh, so, um, but that's where God keeps a man humble. Yeah, you know, it's like because the only other thing that that you, and I know you're experiencing this, and I believe you're going to experience it even more in the future, and that is how awesome it is when you get that opportunity and it's clear that this is your mission from God. He equips you, puts you somewhere and people are penetrated, bro. Like life altering moments in people's lives that comes with a high that makes you feel good. Like you can't feel good anywhere else. Like, but that like being used by God in a mighty way, bro. But you still know what you're not, you know? And it's just like, because the way that Satan, the last little thing he wants to always do is sneak in with pride and just be like, Oh, you know, this, like, um, look what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just, you know, a life where the the Lord didn't just take you out of this hard stuff, but he walked with you in it and through it, you know, it keeps a man humble. 
and and I believe that certain men, I I confess, this one, for sure, needs to be humbled oh, always, yeah. bro. Like, you know, so. So the magnitude can grow of what God's doing through your life, but at the same time, you don't start thinking you're something, you know. Yeah. Mm. And um, that's what I see, bro. Like, I also I also want to share with you that like you know like those that dark cloud like or you know those thoughts of like still that creep up in the background you know when everything's even mm-hmm. good you're at a barbecue and you're with people yeah. and the little clouds in the distance are like you know i don't know what that is bro i i, I still f- face that stuff you know you look off something at the edge and, and one of the things you said and i even shared this with a construction worker because i was on a job site where the guy jumped off of the wilshire grant i don't know if you remember oh. hearing that in the news yeah and uh one of my buddies the other day i know he's going through a terrible thing his 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 wife you know divorced him and she's fighting for them to get custody of his kid but uh, simultaneously he's fighting to get custody of his kid but when his kid's yeah. with him he's he's like drunk and feels like a bad parent so he's like dude like why why am i even fighting i'm just fighting to win something that she he's probably my son's probably better with his mom like and i'm so he's facing all that and then one day we're standing at the edge waiting for the man lift operator and he looks out the edge and i see it bro like i mm. see it dude i'm standing there and i look at him and he's like looking off the edge and like man it was so crazy like i knew what he was thinking and i was like uh it's just it's lies bro and he was like you know what it is man like he knew already he never, we never even had to talk he's like you know what it is bro it's that like there, like it's over, you know. Yeah. Like it's just like. The means to an end. Yeah, like, mm. you know, I don't, I don't have to be a good guy or anything. I'm just, you know. And I'm looking at him, dude, and dude, I, I'd never been more pressed in my life to just tell somebody, like, look, you know what, dude, like, I understand, bro. Like I've been there many times, and I don't think, you know, because there's like a we've talked about this a little bit on some of our podcasts. There's like an alternate side of the glamorous side of suicide. Like, right. There's, there's kids that are tempted in, in the, in what Satan has painted as a little glorious image of it, where they talk about how they don't want to live no more. And they put their songs and they write little poems about they were going to take their life. And, but that's a little different than when somebody really carries that. And I'm not discrediting that either. That's another struggle, you know, but when you carry that, thing in the background the thing that you're not trying to write about you're not trying to tell people about you're trying to put you're trying to act like it's not there like you know what i mean good. yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. and yet that it, it lingers or floats you know it, it it follows or seems to follow but the one thing bro um is and i emphasize this whenever i get if i ever get the chance when i lead people to the lord is the emphasis not just that you're forgiven but that you signed over the authorship of your life to him. It doesn't yeah. belong to you no more, right? Yeah. That is equally important in the message as your forgiveness because I have to remind myself that Mikey doesn't belong to Mikey no more. He doesn't belong to me no more. And and I think there's a lot of people who struggle with suicidal thoughts um, that need that when they when they have Jesus in their life, they need to, rem- to remember that they gave themselves away already. Yeah. Mm. You know, they, they, in a weird way, when we get saved, we do commit suicide yeah. because, because we're, yeah, we're done. Like, yeah. and I don't belong to me no more. And, yeah. and I think that's uh, I, when I pray with people that are struggling, really struggling with it, not, you know, um, 
it's just really digging home that idea that let's give hey let's give this guy over to the lord like he mm. so you don't you're not you're not making the decision for him no more yeah. you know we let's let's see what let's see what this is like let's lay him down you know his this body you know this person that you're willing to give up on and take and just end it all this mess that's ruining people and hurting people and making the same mistake over and over again and knowing that after this repentance somehow you're going to end up back you're going to do it again you've already said it you you've shared with people before you're you know you're going back to take that person and to lay him down and be like okay he I, I, he doesn't belong to me no more yeah like um bro i i um you know it, it, your your message means a lot way more bro than i'm not I'm sure it means a lot to military guys, dude, because they need to know somebody understands them. Yeah. But it goes, I think it goes beyond that because of honesty. There are a lot of Christians that still are struggling, bro. It's it's something that, you know what I mean? I think we kind of sometimes get in this, in this craziness of thinking that like, oh, well, we're Christians now. Like we don't have to worry about the things we used to struggle with. Mm. It's like, nah, man, mm. like we just realize how messed up we truly mm. are mm. and we need Christ mm. to get us through it. You know, mm. we can't, we, we've already messed it up this far. And, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's one, one thing that, I, that I've just come to understand is dude, like my road's not done. Mm. You know, the Lord has blessed me in, in so many ways of just using me, mm. you know, and using me to, to teach junior hires mm. You know what I mean? Like, dude, I always tell the, the, the kids, man, like, dude, I used to hate doing the presentations, man. Like, I would get <laughs> nervous and crazy, and I used to hate reading out loud because I had a dyslexia, but yet the Lord uses me to read his Bible mm. or to read his word to the kids. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, a, a guy that could barely, like, pass school mm. is teaching kids, and you know, in the same sense, you know, where I'm at now with the veteran community, um, you know, with, with uh, Frontsite, um, you know, back in the day, like, I used to I used to think that suicide was a weakness. Mm. I had no sympathy for people that wanted to kill themselves whatsoever. I've talked to people like that. You know what I mean? And, and, I, and I remember one thing that, like, uh, when I was in country, I had a guy who, who was one of my soldiers who wanted to commit suicide. And I remember like having no empathy for him whatsoever mm. to the point that like I dropped the knife in front of him when we took all his stuff away. And I just said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get some coffee. I'll be back in mm. about 30 minutes. Wow. I had no empathy, mm-hmm. bro. Like no, no sympathy whatsoever. And even when I came home, when I heard about the guys that committed suicide, it was like, oh, they were weak mm. to where the point that like I went through that, that stage. Now I, that's what, what I deal with, you mm. know, and to the sense of, you know, what we're about is we're just a bunch of broken vets who found Jesus, and that's our hope. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's we want to give you that light, like, and that's that's what's the amazing thing about the the life that that the Lord allows us to live up until the point that that we finally like, all right, Lord, <laughs> like you said, I, I this life I'm, I I don't want it no more. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna die to who I was, and I'm gonna give it to you. Mm-hmm. You use me. Hmm. I kind of want. I kind of want to ask you about that. With like with this, because it it seems like God was like just taking things out of your life, like yeah. piece by piece, like allowing yourself to do your will. But then, like alcohol is gone. You're still dealing with the anger. Hmm. And then, w- was there a point though where you felt like, okay, you know what, God, like you you do have my life, yeah. even with the struggles. Yeah, yeah. You know what. Uh, 
so once I got into the way I even got into teaching is um, one day one of my buddies, uh, Eric, hit me up to teach at Frontside to become a teacher. Mm-hmm. And um, it was crazy, man, because like he literally called me up and we were talking and all he said was, hey, bro, I was wondering. And my instantaneously, I was like, nope. That's exactly <laughs> what I said to him. And like without him even saying or even leading up to it, I already knew that he wanted me to teach. It was crazy. But I was like, nope, I don't want to do it. Like, I'm good. Like, go find somebody else. And he's like, all right, you know, just pray about it. And I was like, all right, dude, I'll pray about it and see what's up. So th- that was like one way. And then I got more involved and realized, like, dude, like, how many guys are out there that are just hurting like I once was, you know? And I was pretty much that, that, that parable in the Bible that I had this coin and instead of going out and making more coins for my for my master, I was putting it in the ground. You know what I mean? I was keeping it all for myself. Like, you know, I, I'm good. Like, you, you deal with what you got to deal with. And it was then, man, that, like, the Lord just started using me in, in that sense of, like, you know, reaching out to, to other vets, like, comm- wanting to commit suicide and talking to them. You know, whether or not, like, I did anything, I don't know. But mm-hmm. the Lord allowed me to be there in that moment. And, like, you know, it, it's just, it, it's always cool, man. It's always it's always dope to see what the Lord does with my life, you know. And, and same thing with the junior highs at, at church. Like, you know, I don't remember what it's like to be a junior higher no more, dude. <laughs> I'm going to be 40 in, in another two years, dude. Like, you know, I tell them all the time. Like, I know for a fact, like, what I was like is way different with the way these kids are growing up nowadays. But, like. Even with that, man, like the Lord allows me to just pour my love into them, mm. you know, because I mean, you know, we all we all go through some stuff, you know, and every aspect of our life, dude, the Lord just uses that. Mm. Like, it, you know, what I mean, me, you never were in the military, but I guarantee you we start talking about certain aspects. We're going to get it. Mm. You know what I mean? To a certain degree. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the beautiful thing about like, like the Lord uses that, like that part of me. Like, the part that at one point in time, I just wanted to teach race. Mm-hmm. Like, no longer even remember. I didn't want to be a vet. You know, I was just talking about this yesterday with my wife. Um, you know, it was crazy. You know, when I first came home, dude, I got rid of everything that I had from the military. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't even wear a military hat. It's like, dude, like, to me, like, you had to be in, like, your 50s or 60s to wear that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I didn't even consider myself a vet. You know, you just, I wanted to erase that. Like... Now I'm back here. I want to just be part back part of like being, you know, normal life. But like, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't forget it. You know what I mean? Like the scars, like I said, it, it carried on. But the Lord like just used that, dude, like all of it. He still does. So it's just cool, dude. Like it's cool to be able to reflect, like, you know, just that, that being able to see where you once were mm. and where God has you. You know, I still mess up, bro. You know what I mean? Like, I'm in a I'm in a leadership position now in my work, and dude, I like there's times where I'm just like, Jesus, I need you right now, bro. Like you know, but like I'm know, not surprised, bro. Yeah, dude, yeah. But you know, it, it's just dope, man. Like yeah. when you get those little those little instances, mm. you know, to be able to just say, hey, dude, like I don't know what you're going through, and that's how I I straight up tell him, like I don't know what you're going through exact, but I know who can help you. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand you. You know, I don't know what your life is like right now, dude. Like, I know what I went through. You know what I mean? Like, even with other vets, like, I'll never go to another vet and be like, I know exactly how you feel. Because I don't. Mm. 
You know what I mean? I, I've never had a wife that, that took my kids and left me because of the way that I acted, you know? Mm. I've never, you know, I've never experienced some of the things that some of these other guys experienced. Yeah. Yeah. But like I told him flat out, dude, like I know what it's like to to have fire burn within me because I'm so angry. Mm. I know that. Mm. I know what it's like to think, hey, dude, one one like one too many pills or you know one one pull of the trigger and all my problems are gone. You know what I mean? I know what that's like. So it's just it's just awesome, man, to see like that you're you're able to to use all that, you know, what mm. the enemy meant for bad, the Lord's using for good. Mm. You know what I mean? And and no matter what, like he can't take that from us. It's a beautiful thing, dude, that like God still wants to use knuckleheads like us. Yeah. You know what I mean? To reach whoever comes, you know, whoever comes upon, along alongside us. Yeah. You know, like, it, it's just, it's dope, dude. Well, and that, that even brings me to my next question is, like, can you just talk a little bit now? Because it is a transformation to see you go from this guy who was rebellious towards the Lord, warhead, you know, this huh. guy was rough and tough, and then how God has molded and shaped you, too. Yeah. Uh, not, and I'm not, like, p- puffing you up right now. I'm just saying, like, can you describe, like, what you what it is you're doing now in ministries, including uh, your front site ministry? Yeah, so, um, like, now the, the Lord just has me in a, in a teaching, like, aspect of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I teach at church. Uh, every Wednesday I'm teaching for the junior hires. And then every every other Tuesday we teach at Front Sight, which is, you know, just literally verse by verse, you know, going throughout the Bible, and it's just you know it's a trip, dude. Like it's a trip that like like I said, God used uses me to do that. Mm. You know, like dude, I back in the day I would, when I first became a Christian, I was a baby Christian dude. I'd read the Bible and I'm like, yo, what did like what did right. I just read, dude? Mm-hmm. And now I'm teaching it. You know, it's just and it, it's just cool, man. All together, like just. Not so much what the Lord has me doing, but like the fact that he's using me, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's like what you were talking about earlier, you know, like every day that I'm up there and I'm teaching, it's a humbling experience, mm-hmm. you know, cause in my mind, like I already know, dude, like I know my past, I know like the way I, I the things that I've done and I'm just like, Lord, like, dude, I don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. I don't deserve to be up here to be used by you. But all glory be to you that you still love me that much, mm-hmm. you know. So it, it's cool, that, man. Can we can we talk a little bit about um the the calling that you believe you have in your life? Yeah, um, you know it's 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 reaching the broken, you know whether. It, I, I'm more connected with Bet, but just reaching the broken in general, man. Like, you know, there's there's so much, there's so many, so many lies that that are are just being dealt to us on yeah. a day to day by the enemy, by our, our very own mm-hmm. peoples, our family, mm-hmm. and it's just that. You know, the Lord, you know, I, I understand what you're saying earlier about your dad never crying, man. Mm-hmm. Like growing up in general, you know, my pops was that, you know, that that hard dude, you know, would always tell me, you know, boys don't cry. And then when I got back from the military, you know, it was it was the thing, dude. I, I don't I don't ever remember shedding a tear, even when my grandma, who I was super tight with, passed away, never shed a tear, you know. And and up until recently, mm. like I tell my wife, man, like within the last two years, dude, Crazy like commercials, making I'm just getting <laughs> choked up. And I was just like, dude, what is this coming out of my face? Yeah. But you know, it's just my heart breaks mm. for for the broken, man. Yeah. 
you know, I, I asked that question with intention because, um, you know, there's, it's crazy the way callings work, bro. Like there's, I'll meet people and I don't know why God shows me that dude. I don't know why, but I'll see like, I'll see that they, they are fighting with that level of their calling. Like, like, yeah, but not that, like, mm. not like, let's throw that, <laughs> let's not talk about that, you uh, know what I mean? And, and, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dig too deep, bro. I'm not gonna make anything feel uncomfortable or anything, but I just want to say something to you, man, that, that I feel like, um, I should. And that is like a man who is so aware that being this far, he's unworthy of that making it this far and God using you and how aware you are that you're not worthy of that. It's no different that next is there is no, the, the biggest mistake that I think we've made in ministry is making the highest position seem the holiest because we're all just, yeah. And, um, I think one of the most important steps that the Lord, he shows us and shows us and shows us things but he's a patient God. You've heard Rolf say that. Like, he's so patient, bro. And yeah. one of the things that he um, he does is I think he, he patiently waits for us to admit to him what we know he's telling us we're going to do, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, I just, I'll leave, I mean, I just want to share that with you, bro, because the world is in a place where what it really needs is meant to be those things that God's calling them to be. Mm. You know, I, we know, bro, it starts yeah. with being oh, just a Christian and being a husband and being a father. But sometimes in the fight against our flesh and in the world we live in, it can be so difficult to say like, dang, like God's calling me to do that, yeah. bro, you know? And so I just, I just want to mm. share that. And because that's something I pray about all the time with these guys or different um, brothers in my life that have a calling in their life yeah. particularly, you know? Yeah, no, believe me, I'm, it, it's crazy because, like, there, there's there been so many aspects where I'm just like, like, I'm I'm done with everything that I'm doing. But the Lord is just like, he just burns it in my heart wherever where I'm at. And and when, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just cool, man. Like, it's mm -hmm. cool. Not so much that I'm doing it, it's crazy because I well, what I love is like what Pastor Pastor Ralph says, like you know, even though he's teaching, like dude, he's just like all the rest of mm -hmm. us, and it's something that's been embedded in me, you know. And, and I, you know, I, even though I'm teaching, dude, I, it doesn't. I make no different than the guy that's like outside. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just it's just cool that the mm -hmm. Lord would use me, you yeah. know. And it's it's just it's just dope. Mm -hmm. It's dope that um that I that I have. You know, I, I understand where the Lord wants me. You know, it, it's crazy because, uh, you know, there's always been like so many different routes that I wanted to take within ministry in general. Mm. And, you know, there's places in that I know, like, dude, the Lord doesn't have me there, man. <laughs> like, um, one of them was, uh, it's funny, is uh, my wife and me were like, oh, let's get into children's ministry. You know, and I remember one time, dude, I was, <laughs> I was helping out. <laughs> I was talking about two year old bro, and I was like, "Yo, this is not for me." Yeah. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> and to the point now, dude, like I, yeah. I always laugh with uh, a <laughs> with uh, Steve West. 
which is one of the the pastors there. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just he's like, hey, bro, you want to help out? I'm like, nah, dog. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, there's there's been certain points in my yeah. life where like I wanted to go do something, and the Lord is like, nah, dude, like mm-hmm. it's not for you. Right. You know? Isn't that interesting? It'll be like, there'll be like things that we want to do and people want us to do. And yeah. the Lord will be like, no. And then there'll be areas where we're like, oh, for sure. Not that though, Lord. Yeah. Like, I don't even want to do that. And I, I'm definitely not capable. And God will be like, no, this is the thing. I want yeah. You to do. yeah dude. <laughs> that's, it's funny because that's how I even got into the junior high yeah, in general, dude. Yeah. So when I came back to, uh, to Calvary Chapel, me and my wife started coming. Mm-hmm. First thing I want to do is like, oh, it's like, I'm going to get into high school, dude. I'm cool with Scott. I'm cool with these guys, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And like... One day, you know, uh, Jose, who's the, uh, uh, he's a leader. Yeah, for, yeah. Mm-hmm. The junior high pastor. Yeah, he came up to me and, and my wife when my daughter was in junior high. And he's like, hey, you guys pray about, like, coming through. And sure enough, same thing, dude. Like, <laughs> we walked through there, and I was looking at my wife. I was like, yeah, right. yeah, this ain't for me, dude. Yeah. Like, how am I going to relate to these kids? Yeah. And, dude, that's where, like, mm. the Lord had me, man. Yeah. That was, like, and literally, like, it took some time for mm-hmm. me to finally say, all right, Lord, like, if this is where you want me, yeah. I'll be here until you call me out. Yeah. And my mind thinking, like, oh, he's going to call me out. But, you know, he's he's just been having me there, man, yeah. Reach, reaching mm-hmm. out to these kids. Well, it's crazy, too, with God's timing. It's one thing God's been speaking to me about because there were there were areas that I even kept quiet. And I was like, but, like, I'm this is what God's going to do. I'm pretty sure of it. Mm. And then I was watching doors close, and I was like, mm. what, like, Man, did I did I go wrong somewhere, Lord? Like, what was I like? And even to the point, bro, like being at work and getting all the way to being rebroken again, where mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, I remember having this one moment, bro, where I was out in the in the rain, and I was like knee deep in mud. There was a foreman who really hated me, and he put me out there, and I was, he was having me dig a hole, and it was raining, like mud was coming yeah. in faster than I could take it out, yeah. and at one point, I knew, like, I didn't have to worry about tears in that moment, because it was raining anyways, and I remember just looking up at the Lord, and being like, Lord, what became of your servant? Like, I remember being, like, in the fold, like, effective, and even respected, and, and now, like, your servant, like not by not by going to drugs, not by cheating, not by any of those things, is here. Like, why would you bring me here? Like, all those things that I wrote down that you told me, and now I'm like late thirties, like, and I'm here, like, yeah. n- n- and and bro, I had already graduated also to the place where I was like, my temper had come back to me, like I was just like, and I was, and the, and the thing that I would take to God is like, Lord, and the, like there was not like a, con- it wasn't like I stopped reading, I stopped going to church, I stopped, you know, I started drinking, none of that stuff, like not drinking, not doing nothing, dude, and just yet finding myself in that place. But it's crazy, man. Like when COVID hit, mm. and like when the Lord started speaking to me um, through the text about about what He's doing, like with you know, that it, it spoke to me so much, dude, how God always has a, a remnant, like, that he's preparing for a time such as this, like, and sometimes when you think that you you, you know the recipe of how effective ministry works and how it's going to happen, and you have no idea what's coming, that it's going to be completely different. You can't even, and, and that's what's so interesting about what you're saying, because you're like, in your head, you're like, I'm down to do this ministry. I'll, I'll be about that. Yeah. But then God's like, no, I'm going to put you here where you're like, 
and and it always comes back to me that you know his strength is made perfect in our yeah. weakness, and he loves using the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't need us to be prepared and dope at something. He calls us to things where we're gonna need him. And the one thing that must remain true in all of our lives who are his servants is that you're God's man. That's it. No matter where you are, no matter what, you, you're still God's man. And I had to, I had to eat those words like standing out there in that rain, like just thinking that I, I must have made the wrong choices. I, I remember I was kind of like going through struggle, and it's interesting because people will tell me like, "Hey, you know, you're you're you and your wife's marriage, like God really uses you to minister to us or something like that." Mm-hmm. I'll be like, "Do you have no idea where we were like?" a year ago mm-hmm. even like where I'm just like I said like what happened to your servant Lord like what like, look at me like I'm in knee deep mud with a foreman mm-hmm. who hates me in a job that I'm not good at like I'm, I'm if there's one thing I'm good at is communicating this kind of thing but to dig a hole bro next to people who are like gym rats and just like yeah. freak ex-military <laughs> guys or whatever like me with my little hands like, <laughs> like I'm the wrong guy you know and um, but that's part of the breaking of a man who yeah. God's building up in his own way, you know, and I, I accept that bro. And I, yeah. and I love to see it in other people as much, not like misery, loves company, <laughs> but, but I love to see that when God's at work in people's lives and I could still see that it's not, it's not your story, bro, is not the, the testimony with a period on it, bro. Yeah. I could see that, bro. Like, it's not like, this is what God did and that's what happened. And that's why it's so wonderful to yeah. praise God now and be yeah. this, you know? Nah, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's cool. Like, like you said, man, it's crazy. It was almost the same, the same deal, man. Like just a couple of years ago, dude. Um, craziness at work and it, everything was nuts, man. It was, you know, now that I look back at it, at that little aspect of just life, dude. It's like, man, God uses just moments, mm-hmm. small moments, to to teach us. Like, look, dude, I'm not done with you. Mm-hmm. Like you're not you're not okay yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you're you're still you're yeah. still in the in the temporary mm-hmm. world, like. When you're up here with me, you'll you'll be good. Mm. And just like like Paul, dude, like, you know, we need that thorn mm. in the flesh mm. to have that constant reminder. Mm. You know what I mean? Cause if not, you can you can fall into that foolishness of, oh, uh, you know what, like, man, the Lord's done so good. Like, man, I I'm straight now, mm. you know? And it's you know, it, it takes digging a <laughs> digging a hole, dude. <laughs> yeah. Or or feeling like, you know, I yeah. don't want to even go to work the next or, day. Yeah, or just feeling like a failure. Bro. That's it, dude. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? And or the your marriage just mm. being at this point where you're just like, dude, like w- what happened? Mm. You know, like you wake up next to a person and you're like, dude, like did, like is this even gonna work? Yeah. Man? You know, yeah, that that's the that's the humbling part, you know, and you know this. It's like I always joke like ministry's kind of you know when you see a kid who like knows all the terminology military mm. term because he's playing video games and yeah. like they're using real the games now use real terminology uh-huh. and all that but you're talking to somebody you're like this person doesn't right. know no idea. Yeah. this person doesn't know bro yeah, yeah. that's all theoretical bro yeah. in your video game like so like ministry's kind of like that and i heard a sermon not long ago that popped up and it was me like I think eight years ago teaching in the high school ministry, like Scott asked me to guest speak while he was on uh, like a mission trip or something. Okay. And one thing that I'll, I'll admit, I, I think I can more comfortably admit it now because of all the failure that's followed mm-hmm. is the, the, the calling and the anointing is something that God gave me, mm-hmm. right? Like, like in teaching or in those things. 
And it was interesting. I was listening to it just popped up because my nephew found a stack of CDs and he's like, these were in your old house where I used to live with my dad's. Yeah. And he's like, I was wondering if I could have them. I'm like, you can have whatever you find that that was mine, bro. Who uses the CDs anymore? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you want them, but go ahead. Well, in there was that sermon and he started listening to it. And then um, like I kind of used some of it in his life. And then he's like, hey, you remember you did this sermon? I've been listening. And I'm like, what? What sermon? So he gave it to me. And I'm like, what is this? Like, let me, I threw it in. And I, it was crazy to simultaneously hear how God was working and like the teaching, the anointing was there, bro. Like, like, like the, the sermon, like the spirit working through it and the people yeah. in that room. But I could also see this kid that like, didn't know, bro. Like I, I could feel like the, all this theoretical experience, like, like thinking that you, you've heard the way it works. And so you're regurgitating it, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I'm, I was, I was led to to remember when when Job said I, I had I had heard with my ears, but now I see with my eyes. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not trying to belittle the man that I once was because God did great things, bro. And I yeah. praise him for those things that he did, you know, and, and watching people get saved or some of the evangelism I did when I was younger or and but it's crazy, like when you're a broken vessel, you're like not you're like not even half the man you were, bro. Like yeah. people think they see you and they remember you or whatever. You're not even half of what you were, but there's power in brokenness, bro. Yeah. There's power. There's power in like being nobody and knowing that it can't be you. Like you can't do it anymore. Um, I can no longer shoot from the hip like I used to, yeah. and just you know, and feel comfortable in front of people. Like there's self consciousness. There's there's overthinking there's anxiety showed up so that the lord allowed me i always joke the lord allowed me to experience that so that i can understand my wife like i didn't even know what anxiety was bro mm. and i got married and still didn't know what it was saw my wife deal with it and was just like man it's just something you know and praying with her and then all of a sudden like overnight the lord struck me with anxiety bro. and that's a weird one bro like when you mm. when you deal with anxiety like the way that shows up is like and I was, when I was young, bro, I was a performer. I could stand in front of people. It didn't matter how many people, bro. I was like, good, you know? Yeah. And like all of a sudden, like I found myself not, like, not knowing what to say to people or like, like you know, mm. it's just yeah. weird. But yet the calling didn't, wasn't removed. I thought it was. I was like, oh, Ichabod, dude, that's a word. And, you know, like the Lord has departed, you yeah. know? And I thought that was me, maybe. I was like, maybe I'm nobody now. Like, I'm, and it was true in one way, but the the calling is irrevocable it's crazy bro yeah. like but yeah i see I, I was tripping out when i was listening to your story because you know i don't always just hear like what's being said like i see the person like and what like i see and already you're different than than i remember you when you were at dale study yeah like I could sense a little difference in you even from then, you know. Yeah, you know it's like what what you're saying, man. You know, I I, I continue to go through you know just seasons, man. Mm. And like every season, like I've come to understand, like man, no matter how how crazy it may be, the storm, whatever, I, I have I have faith in knowing that mm. there's some God's gonna do something with this, mm. you know, and. Back then, like you know, like you said, like I, I, I knew the Bible, I knew the scripture, mm -hmm. but like, man, did I not know? It. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, I, when I would go through things, like, 
man, it still hurt. Mm. And I was still lost. Mm. You know what I mean? I didn't know how to deal. And now it's kind of like I finally just said, all right, Lord, like, dude, I, 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 Lord, I can't do this no more. Mm. You just take, you take full control of it. I'm going to go through the suck, but I know you're going to, mm. you're going to push me through it. You know what I mean? And it, it's, it's how it is now, man. Mm. Like me, you know, when, when things are going on with me and my wife, mm. like, you know, I don't hold grudges. Mm-hmm. You know, I know, you know what, Lord, I'm going I'm to leave it at your feet. Mm-hmm. You've gotten my marriage this far. It's not me. Right. It's not, dude, like, it, <laughs> it, it's definitely not me. Right. You know, and as, and as beautiful and amazing my wife is, like, it's not her either. Yeah. You know, it, the, the Lord had to do a work in the both of us mm-hmm. in order for this to work, you right. know. And it's the same thing with my kids. You know, as much as, you know, my kids are... are you know, amazing and crazy at the same time. <laughs> you know, the Lord had to, had to do a work with me as a parent in order to like get them to to understand who He is. Mm-hmm. You know, not not to obey me, but obey me because of who He is. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just it's it's those seasons, man. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we we have to go through them. Yeah. You know, like like Paul, man. Mm-hmm. Like like I love I love reading about him because mm-hmm. I understand it. You know, like when, when I, I could imagine when he was in that point of asking the Lord, like, Lord, please take this away from me. Like, man, he must have been he must have been at that level. Mm-hmm. You know, like here's this man who that, you know, just wrote so much and has so much knowledge and had such a mm-hmm. such a like emphasis on giving the word of God to now he's at this point where he's just like, Lord, mm-hmm. like take this away, you know, and whatever it was. Like the Lord mm. had to tell him, like my strength is sufficient. Mm. Where you're at, that's all you need to know because I'm giving you strength to do it. Mm. You know, and it's, you know, it's just awesome, man. Yeah. Like, mm. you know, it's 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 just an amazing thing. Yeah, man. it's kind of like, boop, that light bulb went off. You know, yeah. so it, it is dope, man. Like yeah. the Lord, like you said, the Lord lets us go through things, and like, you know, sometimes we gotta we gotta go through that suck again. Mm. To understand, like, okay, if God would have just took it, mm-hmm. we probably wouldn't have had the same effect, mm-hmm. you know. And it's, it's just, it, it, yeah. And like you said earlier, you know that that molding process and 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 accepting that that we're still clay on, yeah. on you know, in the Potter's hands, bro. It, it. And you know, at the end of the day, I have the same like you. Like I've I've learned to to not not just accept it, but even to be encouraged that. Like okay, like when something's coming, like that's that's the next chapter. That's like it. like that has something to do that's with where it. he's taking us and what what's going on in the world and what he's gonna that's do. It. And and you just like all right, back on the spinner. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's see your hands, Lord. Exactly, you know what I mean? Exactly. And, yeah. and you know what? It doesn't matter how many bowls the potter makes. You know, not all of them are gonna come out smooth. Right, right. And it's that's our life, dude. Like it doesn't matter how many times we go through. You know, financial issues. Like we're we're still gonna have to like get through that portion mm. of our life, mm. and the Lord is gonna get us through it, you know. And you know, our wives may you know they're gonna go through changes, and we're gonna go through changes because of them, you mm. know. Like it's gonna be a season in our life that all right, Lord, like I need you to get me through this, mm. you know. But the the amazing thing is that we get to understand that, and we learn that mm. that God's gonna get us through it. Mm. You know, it's not, it doesn't matter what we do. Like I think as guys. Like our thing is, all right, how am I going to fix this? Mm-hmm. You know, like we want to, we want to fix it. Like, mm-hmm. all right, Lord, I got, you got my yeah, back. Yeah. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And it's like, nah, dude, nah. we're probably going to make it worse. Yeah, you know, yeah. but it's just, it's amazing, man. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Like to just see everything, mm-hmm. you know, from being, 
know, I when when you were talking about you, man, it it's like it's crazy. It's the same thing as a little kid, man. Mm-hmm. I was introduced to porn as a young little kid, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's what what I I struggle with even as a believer for the longest time, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like like yeah, it's just crazy, man. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to see like what the Lord can do. Yeah, because like you know, people are still gonna struggle. Yeah, like those struggles never go away, and the enemy is never gonna allow us to to fully get rid of it, mm-hmm. you know. But like we have a God that's much bigger than right. than anyone or anything, mm-hmm. you know that that we can just fall at His feet and just be like, Lord, I'm feeling weak today. Yeah, you know, like I'm not, I'm not I'm not up to like doing anything yeah. for You today, mm-hmm. but I, I I want to. So like, carry me. Yeah. I need You to carry me again. Mm-hmm. So it's you know just little aspects that we yeah. we couldn't understand, man. Like yeah, it's. It's so heartbreaking, and it's you know what we do now with the with the vets and um, just trying to you know minister in the sense of giving them hope through him. We just recently had um, a vet who who uh, had been coming to us, well not to us, but coming and with his mom and and reading you know reading the chapters with us and going through the studies with us. He just committed suicide a, a couple weeks back, and it's kind of like it's a it's a fresh reminder, man. Like it. You know, we have to constantly, whatever we have called, dude, yeah. we can't let up. You know, it's so crazy you say that, bro, because that really, that just that statement alone is a reminder of something the Lord's been reminding me and that we never find recipes. Like, mm. it's crazy how hard we go, like, we go for, for the Lord and for people and we love them. And your broken heart, in, in some weird way, you know, makes you more like Christ too. Because imagine Jesus, like, his ministry, I remember somebody once said to me, he he had only 12, and one of them betrays him. Mm-hmm. He's got the masses following him at one point, but when you get to the upper room, those masses aren't there no more. Yeah, You're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Look at his ministry. Look at, look at his people. Look at his servants. Look at his crew, you know, and his heart broke like when he's up there on the hill and he's like looking down, he's like, Israel, Oh, I long to gather you, you know, you had no idea. And that's those, that's those losses, bro. When you know, you're poor, you're doing it. Like he's coming, we're, we're laying hands. Like he's here, you know, we're laughing a little bit or whatever. And then, and then you lose one, bro. And it's like, you know, it's it, it, you can get angry, the enemy, you know, like and start, but really the truth is we can't throw harder punches to win hearts. Yeah. Like it's just, it's like, we constantly as Christians are giving people things to Christ. Like, and that's the unique thing about ministry. That's what so many people don't understand. That's what, you know, I like, I'm, you know, my my grandfather was a boxer and there's boxing in, in, in my upbringing and, you know, and being surrounded by that. But one of the things is like, you know, the self-control that you have to learn and that you, you can't just, you can't just anger your way out of mm-hmm. certain things, you mm-hmm. know, and or fight harder. I'm gonna come out like, you know, especially with especially when you're dealing with the hearts of people and the emotions and the frailty in human beings, and and even then too, how like so quickly Christians go to the like, well, I know he said the sinner's prayer at this point, or or like I just I don't know because he never, you know, we asked him to say it and he didn't say it at this. Like we yeah. draw these weird lines, bro, and it's not 
dude it's not not like that bro it's like it's like god is the one who saves people and we are blessed to be a part and ministry is a strange thing you've been in it you you're in it he's a pastor of a church you know it's like ministry is one of those things where we constantly are taking people and giving them to christ like pointing them towards jesus and but but that doesn't remove the sting bro when something happens it's like you know like in (laughs) You always, I always wonder, like, when I hear of somebody I know that took their life or something, I'm like, man, like, I'll remember that one time that I was thinking about giving them a call or, but bro, I, at the end of the day, I always just give people back to Christ and just, all right, Lord, let's, mm-hmm. let's not ease up on yeah. compassion, you know, yeah. pouring, pouring not towards the anger and fight, but pouring towards the love and, and, the mercy and the grace in our own lives and the humility that's you know it's crazy that like if you want to hit harder as a christian you got to be humbler yeah you know it's great it's like it's it's like a it's a dance you know what i mean like (laughs) i kind of want to ask you on that note that's a two-part question being that you work with vets and what are those things first question is what what are those things you would share with a veteran who's struggling with mm-hmm. like anxiety PTSD and then uh, secondly what would you share with somebody who is like like becoming kind of a, what you are like a ministry uh, for people working with vets hmm. yeah so whenever I meet a vet for for the first time and you know we, you could just tell like they're coming in broken the main thing that I point at them is like, man, it doesn't matter what you do. You know, nothing that we do, you know, we can go to the VA and and see the counselors and, you know, we can get the medication or whatever. None of that, none of that matters. You know what I mean? And I, and I tell them flat out, like, dude, I still, I still struggle with everything that, that I struggle with from day one. The only thing is that's different in my life is because I have Christ because I know who he is and, how much he loves me and what he's done for me, it's, it it's allows me to have hope hmm. and knowing that like, that this, this life isn't it. I mean, this is, this is not like that. Once, once I, I breathe my last, this is not where, where I'm going to end up and, you know, everything's going to fade away. You know, this is but a passing by, but a vapor, you know, and I'm able to let them know like, man, if you, you you continue to go through that struggle, like you're gonna have somebody with you, and you're gonna understand that, mm. you know. And and it's something that you know, just that speaking about you know, as military wise, I could I you know, we get that, mm. we understand what it's like to have somebody right beside us going through the hardest point of our life. We know what it's like to be willing to lay your life down for somebody, and then you know, pretty much that's what we're able to you know tell the guys like. Mm. Dude, Christ was there with you in those moments of battle. Christ laid down his life for you. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Why would you want to not have him in your life? Why mm. would you want to not allow him to carry you through? Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, and it's, you know, even with, with the ministry, you know, it's, it's the same, you know, one in the same. is like, you know, mm. one thing that, that, that I encourage a lot of people is like, dude, don't, don't fluff it up. Be real. Mm. You know I mean, you're you're being that real is more of a you know it, it speaks more. 
you know, when when you you're just talking about rainbows and sunshine all day, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, you're not you're not really giving the people the you know the, the true word. or thinking that you're hiding something. That's like, it. Yeah, like people don't really know, and yeah. I'm, I'm pretending to be good. <laughs> Dude, people can tell from a mile away when you're faking it. That's you know, so true, like bro. it's there's no such thing as really like fake it to to make it. Yeah, it's, just, it's not true. It, it's not. You know what I mean? Like like I said that day at the at the st- at the thing like. Yeah, I didn't go up there and and say anything crazy. No, like no. I was just, you know, what? All right, Lord, you have me here. Like, cool. I'm just gonna say right, what yeah. I gotta say. Mm-hmm. And then some guys came up to afterwards and talked to me, and mm-hmm. and I was like, dang, like Lord, that, that's that's so amazing that even for that short time that you allowed that to like minister to somebody, you know. And it's just it, it it's just that you mm-hmm. got to be real in who Christ is in your life, because mm-hmm. especially from someone from the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to figure out who Christ is in their life, they're gonna see the fakeness. You know, and that's not what we want to do as believers. Mm-hmm. We're we're to be a light. You know what I mean? Not a not a light under a uh, a desk or anything like that, mm-hmm. but just up high, dude. Mm-hmm. And let let Christ let people know, like, dude, I'm 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 rancid, bro. Like I'm a rancid rag, but but the Lord has washed me away, mm-hmm. and like He's made me new. And this is me now, but it's only because of what he's done yeah. in my life, yeah. you know. And then when they see that, they're like, "Dude, if if he could do that in this dude's life, mm. what could he do in mine?" Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it, you become that that window. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And that's what you want to be. You want to be a window that people can see through, mm. and see what the Lord has done. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I meet so many guys that like, dude, I had no idea. I, I remember when I first came, uh, started going back. No, no. I met this guy that, like, I was, man, having a, like, crazy conversation with them. And I was talking about, you know, being in the military and doing all kinds of things. Little did I know, I was literally talking to a murderer. Oof. Like, a dude that was in prison looking at, you know, missed out on a couple of life sentences, had admitted that he killed, like, so many people. And I'm, like, looking, I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> like, yeah. what? That's crazy. Yeah, bro, but, like, I was in my mind even thinking, man, like, dang, dude, like, Lord, this is what you did. Mm. You know, and it's and it's one of the same. Like I, I you mm. know, one thing I heard one time, and and I truly believe it, is for most people, especially non-believers, new believers, or whatever, we're truly sometimes the only Bible they'll ever read. Mm. We're the only scripture they'll ever know. Right. You know what I mean? So the way you walk, you talk, like if you're if you're just living it out in church, you know what I mean, mm. talking to Christianese, but yet when you leave you live you leave church, you're living like hell every mm. single day. Like that speaks more hmm. than anything we have to say. Hmm. You know what I mean? When I, when I leave, like, I, I at my house, I want to act the same in front of my kids the way that I act in front of hmm. somebody else's kids. Hmm. And did that play a role for your kids seeing your transformation from? Oh yeah. So they re, like respected it at at a certain point. Like they believed it. I should say. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it's it's cool because like my my wife, man, she's a stay at home stay at home mom. Homeschools is yeah. amazing, bro. And she's always fed, you know, gave the kids the word. Mm. And, you know, for me, being the leader, you know, it's for me. Yeah, I can can teach my kids the the Bible, but like I got to teach my sons how to be true followers of Christ. Mm. You know what I mean? Like my my 12, my 11 year old, he he wants to serve like crazy. But it's not because I tell him like, hey, bro, when you grow up, you got to serve the Lord and you got to do. It's because me and my wife, we serve. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and and our actions are speaking way louder than anything we can say. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's and it's the same for all the rest of my kids. Like, 
you know, they, they see me study and sacrifice this time with them mm. in order to, un, to truly understand, to be able to teach the word. Mm. And I tell my, I tell the, the, my kids, like the reason why I do it is not because like, like this is like so much fun for me. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's because if I'm going to teach somebody the word, like I want to make sure that I'm not inputting me in it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all from, from here to there. And it's all, all the Lord doing it, mm. you know? So, yeah, you know, it's it's been pretty cool with my kids, man. Mm-hmm. Like to see them, like just just see the transformation, in not yeah. only my life but my wife's life. Yeah, man. you know, you, you talk about your wife, and it's clear in your conversation that it's not just like the easy, perfect marriage. There's no such thing, you know. No. And so you guys have your your things that you go through. Uh, one of the things I I get a chance to share with like other construction workers and stuff, because in that culture, there's a lot of you drink with the guys after yeah. work and you know and they t- cuss like hell and they're all perverts and they're all yeah. that stuff you know right. but 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 you know whenever i get a one-on-one with a dude you know i don't participate in none of those things you know i don't drink at all i haven't drank in ten, over 10 years but but one of the things i get to share with everyone so i want to talk to a guy is i'll i'll tell him like hey you know when i get home because at work you can get so like so angry and and basically punching back like with what you're doing and hitting yeah. it hard or whatever. But when I get home and right when I touch that doorknob before I turn it, I try to ask the Lord to help me let everything yeah. lay everything down right there. Like yep. not to drag that vibe of that that fight, get it like vibe into my house, like to be gracious and you know, um I ask him to help me with that. You know, do you do you happen to have anything you know, that's me sharing with other construction workers and don't feel stre- like pressure to say yeah. if you don't, but anything you could share with people regarding marriage, you know, just, just from your perspective or things that you try to do to, to help your marriage. Is there anything that you can share a little bit maybe? Yeah. You know, me, me and my wife, we've gone through a lot, man. Um, you know, being, being with the struggles that I struggle with on my own, like I just know that, that wives struggle even harder because mm. they, you know, like my wife, she's she's chosen to be with me for the last ten years, mm-hmm. dealing with my night terrors and all kinds of crazy stuff. She, we, were, we were talking before I came in, and she's like, "Make sure you tell the story about the time you threw my phone across the room when you were asleep." Oh. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so tell it, bro. What <laughs> happened? So, so uh, we were uh, we were literally like we we had a house in Fontana, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I guess it was the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, whenever like those episodes <laughs> happen, like I don't remember it. <laughs> And uh, I guess she was on her phone, and I woke up, and she said the, the glaze was there. I wasn't there. Oh, man. So I woke up, and I looked at her, and I grabbed her phone, I threw it across the room, and I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, like, I told her, I was like, dude, I didn't remember that. And mm. she was like, yeah, it happened. And I got so scared because you were, like, screaming afterwards, and, you know, it wasn't oh, you. Yeah. And I was just like, I was like, maybe, like, you know, maybe I just blocked it out, but maybe I just wanted the phone like I was trying to go to sleep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but um, you know, just in general, yeah, you know, with, with marriage, man, you know, it's not, it's not a something that you just, you know, once you say I do, everything's you know rainbows and sunshine. It's something that you know we have to work at, mm-hmm. and it's like what you were saying earlier. You know, the we're the bride of Christ, and you, if you think about yourself, mm-hmm. you know, all the things you have done and continue to do. And continue to have to ask for forgiveness every single day from mm. your sins, you know that's 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 our groom mm. forgiving us. Mm. You know what I mean. So when it comes to our spouse, we got to carry that on through. Mm. You know what I mean, there's not there's gonna be good days and mm. there's gonna be not so good days. Mm. 
you know, and, you know, when, when it comes to like with the work situation, it's the same thing, man. Like mm-hmm. I used to bring my home, my work home mm-hmm. with me, you know, and I used to tell my kids like, dude, give me, a, give me a time to like chill and, you know, let me take my boots off at least. But it's like you said, dude, I got to the point where like, you know, I had to realize, you know what, like that's, that's out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I come home, like I got to be ready to, to be here. To give them 100%. That's yeah. it. My wife already has done her deal all day long, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Now now it's it's my turn. Mm-hmm. When they go to sleep, then I'll take my boots off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And this it's just it, man. It's it's being a parent, like it's never like that, dude. Yeah, it's never it's never a break. It's no such thing as a break. Mm-hmm. You know, even when when your kids my I have my oldest daughter, Kayleen, she's mm-hmm. eighteen already. Mm-hmm. And 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 now like I always just joke with her, dude, mm-hmm. like I was like, Oh, when you're eighteen, dude, you're out, yeah, you yeah. know. But it's just like, dude, you never stop worrying. Yeah, you, that that never leaves. You know that that love for the kid and when the well being and making it wanting to be there and mm-hmm. you know a drop of a dime, dude, I do anything for my kids. Mm-hmm. And the same thing for my wife. You know, if my wife needs a break, cool. I'm gonna get my kids and we're we're gonna do something together. You know, not not hey, all you guys go outside. I'm gonna go lay down in the room. But. <laughs> You know, it's just it's a it's a understanding. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, you gotta you I got gotta, a lot to look forward to. Yeah, this <laughs> guy's about to get married. Yeah. yeah. You know what? You you have to. There, there came a point in my life uh-huh. where I had to kind of just I had to decide. Mm. You know, what what man do I want to be? Mm. You know, it, and then you know, it doesn't have to be as drastic as it was for me, where my wife was ready to leave me. But like, you have to you have to decide. Okay, like if I'm willing to to humble my humble myself and do whatever the Lord calls me to do. Am I willing to do that in my marriage too? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it means humbling yourself to like not going out with the guys because your wife wants to spend time with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It means, you know, coming home after work, after being tired of working on ACs all day mm-hmm. and like, you know, hearing to see, to see what she did all day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and not fall asleep, by the way. I still one of my daily struggles. Yeah. <laughs> I say standing, bro. I don't yeah, even bro. sit down, bro. I don't stay stand. If I sit down, I'm done, bro. Yeah. I'll yeah, just stand right there dude, with the baby, I, I bro. I get in the biggest trouble, dude, because I still fall asleep, bro. I'm just I'll like, man, here, you think man. I would learn by now, but yeah, it's you know. Happened to me the other day. I told my wife. <laughs> I was in, I was like, I was like, oh, really? So, what do you mean? And she started talking, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. We were just, this just happened to us last night, man. My wife's going to Bible college, and she's, uh, she's going through the, the, um, who's her, te- who's her teacher? Uh, Richard, um, Valencia. Valencia. Okay. Yeah. So, Rich, like, she, she's, Rich. oh, dude, he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they're going through uh, uh, the Proverbs 31 woman, mm. right? Mm. So, she's telling me, like, I need your help with this homework so I could do it. And I'm like, for sure, let's shoot. So we're doing it, and in the midst of it, I'm just like, <laughs> like, like, just out, dude. And I wake up, and wife's looking at me like, yeah. "Are you for real?" I, we got the question one. <laughs> I'm like, "My bad, dude. Ask me, ask me tomorrow." Oh, man. That's but, funny, bro. Yeah, you know what? Marriage is, uh, marriage is, is, you know, one thing. It's just a great symbolization of what our walks is with the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it being that you know we're on one end, like you know we're not going to always agree with, with our spouse, Mm -hmm. but like with that love dude of why we got married in the first place, like you come to, to just be more humble to, to, all right, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take a step back. Mm. And instead of like saying what I want to say, 
or doing what I want to do, I'm going to try to see her point of it. Mm. Mm. And even, you know, even though I don't uh, 100% agree with it, I'm just going to, you know what, I'm going I'm to see what the Lord does. Mm. I'm going to let him kind of like, if, it, if it's me, I'm going to let him open my eyes or I'm going to let him open my wife's eyes. Mm. You know, so it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a daily thing, man. Mm. Like a daily thing. Yeah, I'm sure, sure. I'm sure my wife's just like, oh, <laughs> I didn't even half of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Being a soldier, do you relate that a lot to, I'm sure you do, but I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on spiritual warfare. Being that you are literally have been in warfare, does that, did that transfer over? Yeah, you know what? Like, it, the only thing it's ever done because it's different, man. Like, mm-hmm. and and, and uh, you know, it's nothing that any one of us could ever explain the battles that we go through, you mm-hmm. know, and how the enemy like really comes at us. But it, I understand it. You mm-hmm. know, when when someone tells me about that the spiritual warfare and the enemy and you know the tactics, like I I get it. So when when now for me at least, when it happens, man, like I understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I understand, okay, like, dude, I, I let my guard down somewhere. I fell asleep on post that the enemy's now attacking me. I just, you know what? I got, I got to get my weaponry, dude. Mm-hmm. I got to get my Bible. I got to read. I got to pray. You know, I, I got to do what I got to do so I don't let him continue moving and, and advancing in me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know what? Um, It's more, more so just knowledge. Like, I get gotcha. it. You know what I mean? Like, I understand it more because it, it's the same thing, man. When we're, when we're in Iraq... We, we weren't fighting guys with, with uniforms. Like, they were dressed just like everybody else, you know? And mm. one moment, we were, in, we were in the marketplace, and we were saying, hi, and how you doing? They were giving us, a, you know, a piece of bread or pita bread or something. And then as we get, you know, five feet down the road, they're shooting at us. Mm. You know what I mean? You just, you just don't know. And it's, you know, like I said, I could just, I relate to it. Mm, I understand right. it. Gotcha. Like, but that's about it. But like, right, right. in a sense of being prepared, yeah. no way, man. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, you know, that, 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 that brings an illustration, just hearing you say that, because, you know, one of the things that I was al- always keeping myself aware of is the things are so obvious, right? Like, mm. you know, if I have this kind of struggle as a kid or this kind of thing happens, then like the enemy's going to come at me this way. Yeah. But then there'll be little things that like Christians will be like, hey, don't forget, you need to do this. It's important that you do this. And in your mind, you're like, that's not my thing, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I get you that that's important, but that's not a way that, you know, Satan's coming at me. Like, these are my things. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, this is the fight I'm in. But the one thing about a crafty enemy is like they always get you where you're not paying attention, yeah. you know? And it's so important that Christians like read their Bibles and like pray and like listen to solid Bible studies. Yeah. Because, you know, you you think that you're raising your hands in victory, that you're not, you know, an alcoholic right now or that, you know, pornography doesn't have you by the throat or you know, these different areas that you're like, oh, I'm going to talk to people about this. And this is how the Lord's helped me or delivered me. And you're like, but, you know, I haven't read this week, but that's not how. And, bro, like, it's yeah. crazy, dude. Like, you know, the Lord is only giving us instruction to protect us, bro. Like, and, and and enemy is crafty, dude. He's like, oh, look at look at how strong he is, like, right here where he thinks the only way I get him, you know, and. I think that's just a good, you know, what you just shared is a, a, a good reminder for all Christians that, you know what, that's why it's so important to just stay in the wing yeah. of the Lord, you know, mm-hmm. like underneath him and close to him. 
because you don't know what he's protecting you from, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you know what? One thing that, uh, that I love what you said earlier is there's, there's, there's true growth in brokenness, mm. you know, and on my Bible, I, I literally have it written big. So it's the first thing I see when I open it, stay broken. Mm. I've never been closer to the Lord than in my broken moments. And it's kind of like a, I, I need that reminder. Like, man, I need to stay broken so that way I don't think I'm all good for that aspect. Mm. You know, when I think everything's, you know, everything's good in my life, my kids are amazing, my wife's happy, bills are paid, job's great, and me comes sweeping in. Yeah. You know, because we get complacent. You know, we get complacent and like you said, we don't read as much or, you know, maybe we don't, We our prayers are a little bit more generic. Yeah, you know, or you know, whatever the case. There's may no, be. there's no passion, or and I dare say the word romance between us and the yeah. Lord. And I don't want to make people because that's one thing guys struggle with is you know they feel like it's um, emasculating to like refer to themselves as the bride of Christ yeah. and any of that stuff. And so we we struggle with stuff like that as men, but really that's only our perversion, right? Because of of our lives and our lusts exactly. and the way we do, you know, we position yeah. ourselves before God in a different way. We're, yeah. we're homies or whatever. Yeah. But the reality is, is that there is a romance that in the way that he won us, the way our heart breaks when we think about him or those times when a certain song was playing, you closed your eyes and tears ran out of your mm. face, you know, because of the reality. And sometimes it's not tears. I'm just saying that same exact thing in a person's heart, you know, yeah. And so the when the romance dies, just like us as husbands, like we, when your wife's like, all right, God, love you, bye. And it's yeah. like, like, hey, like, where are you? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. and I believe the same thing for our relationships with the Lord, bro. And you're so right that, you know, when, when, once we're, we're like, Lord, heal me. I don't want to be broken no more. And then we're good. And we're just like, cool. What's up, Lord? Yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah, all good. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, you I'll, I'll, I'll hit you up the next time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nah, for real, man. Like we, we have to like, just mm. kind of remain there. Mm. You know, it's how, you know, we're still going to get attacked, but you know, just with anything else, when, when you're already broken, like you're, you're already going through some stuff. Mm. You know what I mean? And you already, you already feel the Lord being there with you and you know, whatever else comes, you're like, all right, dude, well, I'm already, I'm here now. Mm. So I'm already, I'm ready for it. Mm. And it's just kind of like we we have to be on guard, mm. you know. One of the things when we're when we're overseas, they used to always tell us like the biggest killer of a soldier is complacency. Mm. Mm. I mean, why? Because you get comfortable, you get relaxed, you let your guard down, you you're not you know you're not you're not fully alert like when you first got there, mm. and we can't let that happen, you know, especially in our walks, mm. you know, and especially now now in these days, you know, we can't we can't be complacent like just this world is just crazy. You know what I mean? And there's nothing nothing worth like stepping away from Christ or keeping our eyes off of Christ for it. Mm. You know, it's it's sad because it's just it's just something that people they do. They you know, they focus more, you know, now that people aren't working, they focus more on like finding a job and you know, relying on what they can provide or whatever. But it's just like be still mm. and see what God can do. You know, mm. and maybe maybe you might have to struggle for a little bit, but it's going to be good, mm. you know? So, mm. wow. yeah. Hey, man, I got one more question for you What's tonight. Up? How can we pray for you, bro? Mm. Uh, just that the Lord just continues to just keep me moving forward, man. Mm. You know, it's, it's my biggest thing, man. It's, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go back. Yeah. Right? I just, you know, I just want to continue to be used in whatever way he sees fit. You know, it's, it's my biggest prayer. And then of course, always for, for family, family yeah. and friends, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Let me pray for you, Fernando. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for our brother. We thank you for, Lord God, 
sovereignly being over his life, Lord, that you even used him, Father, for this nation that you've blessed, Lord. I pray, Father, as time goes on, Father, and struggles arise in his mind of anxiety or, or fear or doubts in his call, I ask, Father, that you would remind him, Lord God, that you're with him, just like you were with Joseph, Lord, in the prison. I pray, Father, that you would continue to mold and shape him, Father, keep him humble. Father, continue to give him those spiritual gifts. Lift up his family to you, Lord, his wife, his five kids, Lord God, what a blessing. I pray, Father, that as they're getting older now, Father, I pray that he would continue to be like that archer who's getting ready to shoot them out, Mm. Father, just to have that accuracy, Lord God, to lead them towards you, Lord. That he would continue, Father, just to love his wife, Lord, to, to die to himself. Father, I pray for his calling, Lord, that you would continue to give him vision without limits, Father. Continue, Father, to not allow him to, to believe the, eyes, the lies of the enemy, Lord. But, Father, that you would give him those spiritual callings, Lord God, those spiritual gifts, Father. May he use it more and more, Father for his ministry, Lord God, for junior high and for front sight. May he, Father, just minister to those kids, those vets. Lord God, as unto you, Lord God, just give him that anointing, that power. May he not look back, Father, just move forward completely. And Father, just fill him with your joy, Father. May his life be continually an adventure that Christ has given him. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 That's a wrap. That's a wrap.